The Chair Shop Podcast is back on this Sunday evening as we are just barreling, absolutely barreling through November. Christmas season is very much uh, uh, approaching. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever dependable co-host and producer, Mr. Paul Griffin. I love when you say the producer every time. Yeah, I guess I kind of am. I'm, I'm bigging you up. You do the tech. You know, you 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 make it. You make you press all the buttons. You make everything work. You maintain the website for the you know for people who like to use it. Um, you know, you're you're very much the Chris Blake in that in that instance where maybe you don't get enough credit for keeping this thing alive. Um, Tip so, away. So that's it. good. And also joining us, of course, is Mr. Joe Towner. Oh, oh, he's not here. Okay, never mind. No Joe Towner uh, this week. I was going to jump in with my um, before with we, your impression. Well, before we started recording, just let the listeners know behind the, we we were doing some funny voices. Let's say before we started recording, and I I was going to burst into with my my new voice for for Joe, but I thought better of it, <laughs> probably for the best. Um, Joe's away. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. What's he yes? I don't. Uh, he he hasn't been. He hasn't been in touch. He just said he was. He's going to be away. Um, I tell you what, Paul. Whatever he's up to, he better have watched War Games, right? Because he he better come back with a, a list full of takes. Well, Joe's favorite match of all time is War Games. Like, is specifically was it War Games ninety two or ninety three? Is yeah, I would say the likelihood of him coming back next week or you know whenever he's back and having watched an old war games is actually way higher than him watching the new one um but anyways yeah no no joe this week he uh he'll, he'll be back you know sometime soon um uh you hmm. paul however i i mean we're down to two people you're you're not feeling the best either what's what's up with you no we're hanging hanging on with two we're, we're right around just barry doing the show himself which um, everyone would love i would i would listen to it i bet i bet no one would well you did that little daniel bryan podcast on your own when he retired and then joe and myself did a separate one i remember yeah um what's wrong with me um well, I was fine until a few hours ago. Uh, I've kind of been sniffling all day. <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. But also, you know, you only get that feeling when you have the flu that, you know, because your nose is so blocked, you get this kind of apprehension that food is going to taste different. Because sometimes when you have the flu, food does taste different. Um, but I had this feeling where I was, I was so, kind of so congested. I was like, I, I think I'm at that stage now where I'm going to have some tomato ketchup. And it's going to taste like weird cardboard. Um, luckily, I'm not quite at that stage yet, but that's kind of how I'm feeling. Uh, and then I started, not only not only was it like that, I then started having a migraine. Um, so I couldn't see properly, which is a joy. Um, so I've had some medication for those. I can, luckily, my vision is restored. Uh, I'm still a little bit uh blocked up in the old sinus i do have the uh the nasal spray which barry and myself were discussing also before we started recording i have some lovely uh nasofan aqueous which is a 50 microgram nasal spray suspension uh which is supposed to make your make your snotsies all disappear um that's what it actually says on the packet <laughs> It doesn't actually give you on the packaging itself any uh, 
really in-depth, you know, description of what it is or how, or even how to use it. It just literally says uh, for nasal use. Well, I, I would assume so because it's a nasal spray. Yeah, you don't. I mean, it's what else? Because I mean, it looks like you could maybe stick it up your bum, but I mean, it's I, I it is that... it is very douchey uh, shaped. Yeah. Well, I wonder if I mean, I wonder would it still clear the passage? You know. That's the question. I mean, would it do double duty? Do you, want me to, do you want me to try it? Is that what you're? you're it, in I the, mean, if you wouldn't mind taking one for the team, so in to a speak. roundabout, uh, in a roundabout way. Well, in fairness, you took the um, the camera up the arse. The <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's only right for me to to even. I mean, out. yeah, it's 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 you know, it's a little bit of give and take, so to speak. You know, um, so so yeah, do do your part. So yeah, Joe Joe's uh, away. Paul's sick. I'm 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 here. I survived. Um, I just got back from the Christmas lights coming on in, in Limerick City Centre, which I think I talk about most years. It's um, you know a regularly occurring thing. This is definitely the year where me and Kira kind of realised, like, let's let's not do this anymore. It's, like, no fun at all. Just people come out of the woodwork. It's, like, probably the busiest night in Limerick City that I, that I, can, I can even think of. And nothing even comes close. I don't think... I don't think Christmas Eve will be this busy in, in Limerick City Centre. It is just absolute madness. And of course, it's not just busy with people, it's busy with prams and buggies and and if they're not in buggies, people walking around with, with you know four kids latching onto them and screaming and shouting. And it's just like also second year in the row, we were in the queue for hot chocolates in Starbucks when the actual ceremony happened to turn on the lights and the fireworks went off. Didn't see a single thing. Oh. Then you know, kind of came out and we're like, "Oh, there's all the because they do they do a a concert and all that." Shit. I don't give a shit about any of that, but we you know we we, we don't we don't even see the fireworks because we're always more preoccupied with like getting you know getting something to keep. Us Are you warm. just kind of going now out of a tradition or a habit or? It's something to do, I guess. Like we didn't do anything together this weekend, so it's like, oh, I mean, we had the Killers concert, but again, you know, like that was earlier in the week, so it's like you know, Saturday and Sunday we didn't really see each other. It's like, oh, this is a free thing again. Same thing that all those families probably thought, which is why town is so mobbed. Here's a free thing we can go to, and we, you know, we're both Christmas people. You know, we like our lights, we like our mm. our, our festivity. So it's like you know, kind of kick off the season get you in that mood but as people as people who also hate gigantic crowds it was just like fuck this it's just so many people and and as i said we don't care about the actual concert or any of that shit we just kind of want to be in town for it so i was like all right let's try and make a mental note and next year we will just like stay in and watch a christmas movie that night and then three hours after everyone's gone we'll go into town and look at the lights um because obviously then, like, navigating out of it was just a nightmare, and we went to get food, and everywhere had lines out the door. It was just, you know, crazy. But anyway, the festive season has arrived. The lights are on. That means it's okay to start, you know, playing the songs on the radio and all that. Um, uh, I still haven't put up, or even, well, put up, I haven't even purchased a single Christmassy related thing for the apartment. Um, mm. I need to get on that. Uh, or, or I should just, like, rob some from home. I'm sure Mam has stuff she's not using anymore. But yeah. So, uh, so there was that, uh, and as I mentioned, yeah, we had the Killers concert earlier in the week, um, which was a whole bunch of fun. It really was. Um, I saw right more more people getting ejected for being pissed than I think I've ever seen at OTT. Well, to be fair, I've never seen anyone get ejected from OTT for anything. They're fucking useless. But um, <laughs> also, it's encouraged to be pissed at OTT. It's encouraged to be pissed. Yeah. To be fair, there's there's 
you know, rarely any any hassle. But I digress. Um, there were first of all, so the Killers, obviously, huge band, very very successful. Um, so it, you had the entire spectrum of people. You had you had families there, not that many, but you had some. You had people my age. You had uh, you know lots of kind of students, and you had you know men, women. You had gr- people who looked like grandparents there. Uh, really, really diverse mix, which was cool. But um, the guards came in at one point to escort one woman off. I, we couldn't see what happened because uh, obviously we were watching the show. But she was in our section. She was in the very tippy top seats of our section. We were in the, you know, we were in the stands. We weren't in the in the, you know, we were in the seats. We were not in the standing room, which was absolutely chock a block with people. Yeah. Uh, and we couldn't see what happened because again, you know, we're watching the show. We're not paying too much attention, but. It certainly seemed like she she when the when the guardie were escorting her out, which again you must be doing something bad if they actually call the guards into the three to get you out and not their own security. Um, she was like unable to stand. She was so drunk, and I got the vibe she may have been fighting in her section. There was one fella who was like sitting on the steps of our section, and he was moved several times. And every time he would pop up in the periphery of my of my vision, he was in another, a completely different section of the building. Again, wandering around, sitting in the sands, pissed drunk, taking his shirt off, uh, being a maniac. I can. I can only assume he didn't have a ticket. I eventually saw him get, uh, uh, you know, pulled out of the section he was in and kicked out. So you know, uh, that's what happens when you get that diverse mix of humanity in in the in one building. Uh, but it was it was fantastic. The Killers did a great show. They played all the hits. They played some stuff from their new album, which I actually really liked. I listened in the uh, in the run up to this. It's actually really really strong. I think it's one of their best, um, and it's. It's what we would call in in our, in our little wrestling world. It was like the major league production. It was mm. really really tremendous. I mean, I've I've seen a couple of shows in um in the three. You know, Michael McIntyre. We discussed. I saw a Raw house show there. Um, all kinds of stuff. And this, it was like you know, it might as well have been WrestleMania. It was the WrestleMania of kind of you know soft indie rock pop boys, uh, just okay. with 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 pyro and confetti and light shows. It was really great. And they are, they are a very fun band live, which, which again, you know, the going was kind of Kira's idea. I liked killers, but they're not anything I would prior to this, that I would have been super excited to see, but, but the, I kind of had more of appreciation of them as a band, uh, seeing them play live. It was good. It was, it was really, really fun. Um, and, uh, there was no one, unfortunately there was no one selling uh, fake Ray Mysterio masks outside. Um, <laughs> US, uh, USA flag bandanas. Yeah, none, none of that. No, no inflatable like you know hammers or anything. Uh, there were though. There were just endless reams of people uh, selling tickets, looking for last minute sa- uh, sales, selling fake T-shirts. Uh, I couldn't believe how many there were. And then on our way out, they were still there, obviously. And I saw we saw one woman uh, full on like arguing with a fella to give her back. Uh, to give her back the 50 quid she just given him I, I we didn't hang around to find out what the problem was but it seemed like she maybe realized this th- this shirt might not be real that i just bought outside the arena of this fella who looks like he owns a white van um killers is misspelled on this shirt yeah it's it's actually relic it's some kind of what's it tna wrestling what's this? <laughs> I, I don't want this. Give me back my 50 quid. But um, yeah, to be fair, I, I can. The ticket thing was crazy to me because there was people there asking, anyone have a spare? Anyone have a spare? It's like, do, do you, um, you, you, you get that at every at every show. No? I, I know you do, but it's like, do you just like show up and hope that someone there? Well, no, but is, they're, they're ticket touts, though, is the point. You know? I know they are, but like, again, what's the percentage of people going, I'll, I have a spare ticket, I'll go to the arena and I'll just give it to the first person I see yelling loudly for one? 
Um, yeah, but anyway, it was weird. But the, the t-shirts make a little bit more sense because they were like, I, I was, I didn't care. I didn't want one anyway, and cared it neither. So it was fine. But we, we did walk past the merch stand and away, and it was like thirty quid for a shirt. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, if I was so inclined, I would have been tempted to just buy a dodgy one for fifteen quid outside the venue. But, um, but yeah, that was fun. It was, it was a fun time, and we got a gourmet burger kitchen. Um, I've never been to Gourmet Burger Kitchen. It's good. It used to be Kira's favorite thing when she lived in Dublin. Um, and we end in our last few trips up to Dublin, we hadn't gone, so we were like, "Yeah, we'll we'll go this time." And we went, and I forgot how good their chips are. Their chips are tremendous. I mean, tremendous. I assume it's a Bunsen style, you know, fancy burger place. Get the burger. Yeah, it's a it's a little fancier than your than your Bunsens, but it's the same basic thing. Uh, you know, mm. it's your it's your it's your fifteen quid Dublin burger. You know, it's yeah. it's um it's it's good. The the burgers are I wouldn't say they're any better or worse than like Bunsen or Wow Burger. Um but again the, the chips are, are quality. They're they're quality. Uh, it's it's nice again if you if you want to change it up, if you want to skip, you know, Bunsen or, or, or your usual spot and you want to try it, it, it's perfectly fine. It's always very busy though. I'd I'd say, you know, heads up on that. Yeah. Um yeah, so that was uh, that was my week. Uh, fun 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 time. And I also really appreciated just having the two days off work because work is just, you know, up the walls at the moment. Um so so that was good. Um yeah. So that was uh, any any other life guff you wanted to make mention of? No, I'll throw in a little bit of music guff though. Uh Go on. have you heard that new Eminem song? Yes. Walk on Water. What's your take on that? I don't like it at all. No, I I remember I I I saw the a few tweets about that he had the new album coming out. Um, whatever it's called, uh, some stupid Eminem. Whatever, album. whatever it's called. Whatever it's called. Um, and then I then I saw that there was a single out, "Walk on Water." I said, you know what? I really did not like Marshall Mathers LP two. I thought it was very very weak. Mm-hmm. But let's give this little uh, new single a little uh, go and uh, listen to. Um, yeah, I thought it fucking sucks. I thought I think it was yeah. dreadful. Um, it's funny because I was listening to some old Eminem in the week. Uh, the first Marshall Mathers LP, for example. Yeah. Um, and it's like old songs like, you know, Real Sim Shady, Criminal. Of course, you know, there's there, some of the content is quite uh, horrible looking back on it with 2007. Yeah, I... I found that as well. It's like, because for the longest time, I was like, no, it's not that bad. It's like, you know, it's an artistic expression. Even in, in recent years, and I've gone back to it, I was like, no, it's it's like, you know, it's 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 not as bad as people make it. And then I'm like listening to, like, again, like yourself, kind of recently, I was like, uh, this is just, this is well, that, like. That being not, said, I, st- I, still, I still quite enjoy all those songs. And it's still a good album. I one think, thing, yeah. one thing that, that a lot of the. Even the worst Eminem songs from that kind of era, you know, like I was listening to um, to Just Lose It, which is like really, really borderline just being a novelty song. <laughs> you know, you have um, Push Pineapple, Shake a Tree, and then Just Lose It. They're, they're not a million miles away. Um, but one thing that those songs have that I feel like Eminem doesn't have lately is just, just a kind of energy to it. Like, I feel like Eminem's gimmick for want of a better term nowadays, is is I'm not a good rapper anymore. I'm really sad. <laughs> <laughs> Do people think I'm bad? Is it just crap? Am I just in the lab writing words? <laughs> like, I feel like most of the songs he puts out now are about how insecure, insecure he is about his own rapping skills. Like, you listen back to something like, you know, Real Sim Shady with, you know, 
um, Will Smith I'm gonna cuss his raps to sell records will I do so fuck him fuck you too you think I give a damn about a Grammy like the it's it's so kind of energetic and so witty you know and and I was listening to Walk on Water and it, it was it's kind of sad how bad it is it's it's really really atrocious um, yeah. and one thing I said I think I mentioned before is that like I feel like a lot of Eminem's better songs kind of work as catchy beats even with the the rapping removed um a lot of his songs nowadays i I, the 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 beat is is not very catchy uh on a lot of his songs um yeah uh, i like the hook but again it's like you know there's a million songs you can hear a a decent beyonce you know chorus on it's not like it's Mm. It's not like I'm, I'm. It's not like I'm falling down to hear another one of those. But yeah, like yourself, it's just I'm. I I don't have any time for. First of all, I think he's just a less compelling rapper as far as his like flow and delivery goes mm. these days. But yeah, I'm also just I'm just not into material at all. It's like for for all the flaws of that old stuff, it's the, the, the and I and I do wonder how that will continue. I think it's aged poorly. I think it'll continue to age poorly. Um, uh, you know, I, I still, I still would take it over this new stuff, and I, I really wonder what his kind of legacy will be. There are some people who still make the point that you know he's still a good rapper, you know, in some capacities, but I just, I, I never feel it when I listen to this new stuff. Uh, so no, yeah. I, f- I feel like I, every, every I'm, album I'm, he's brought out since Martian Mathers one has been kind of, I feel like, has been weaker than the previous one. Even some people would consider, you know, encore, maybe relapse as being like the lowest point, but I feel like. I feel like even the later ones I've kind of enjoyed less than those, you know. Like I think I think Marshall Mathers LP two is is the worst one by a distance, you know. Yeah, I um, really try to like that one, but oh, <laughs> very very unmemorable is how I describe it. Um, I also heard another song in the week, um, uh, which is kind of a little bit more silly, I guess. Um, Take a knee, my ass. Have you heard this song? No. <laughs> Have you heard about it? No, I haven't heard anything about this. <laughs> okay, let me tell you about it. Take a knee, my ass. It's this American country singer called Neil McCoy, who's. Oh, is this a re- is the the song a reference to the NFL stuff? Exactly. Oh no, God. <laughs> and it's it's. It's funny because I, I kind of expected that it would it was gonna be so kind of over the top hillbilly, you know. I ain't never gonna take no knee. Uh, and to an extent it is, but it's not it's not quite as silly as I thought it was gonna be. It's 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 just so po faced about, you know. And it, it like it, it literally contains it let me see if I can find the lyrics here for you, okay? Because I wanna see if there's something um is, is jolted in your in your mind or in your memory here, okay? Okay. Um, let's see if we can find it now. Neil McCoy. Uh, da, 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 da. It's really hard to find lyrics for a song, funny enough. Okay, here we go. Take a knee in my ass. Um. Yeah, when I see somebody, I, I, I'll read you out the first verse in the next, okay? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United right. States. And then it really, really emotionally goes, of America. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand and place my hand upon my heart every time her anthem plays. Hmm. 
When I see somebody on TV take their stand on bended knee, whether it's on astroturf or grass, I think of those whose freedom was not free. Right. I say, take a knee, my ass. It's funny because when I heard the, the 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 lyric "Freedom was not free," right? Obviously, I think of Team America with the song "Freedom isn't free," which is like a direct um, <laughs> parody of the kind of song that this is. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like when I read through the lyrics here of, of "Taking Me My Ass," you know, it's almost like a South Park parody song, but it's it's so <laughs> dead serious about it. Um. Uh. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up and bookmark it for for later because it, it sounds like it's it's something I tell you that much and don't get me wrong I'm someone who I kind of understand the the idea of you know patriotism I get that but the, the, I I do I do think there's something a little bit weird about um, the kind of what's even the word for it like the 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 kind of deity way that they kind of perceive like the flag and, and yeah the, and it's the like anthem. even if, even if you do and like okay like we, we you know we we don't maybe share that view but if you do that's fine but like of all the things it's like they're not literally shitting on it you know what i mean it's like it's 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 the most tame kind of of protest ever you know what i mean it's like these guys have their platform and they're you know it's you know a, a solemn quiet pose during the anthem it's the least you know it's the least offensive thing ever i would have thought but again you know it's just yeah but anyway oh uh, i'm gonna check one, this one, one more lyric for you before you go go on <laughs> i'll and this is not made up i'll honor the ones who gave it all so he's saying, you know, I show my my um, pride of people who who died for the company, right? I'll honor the ones who gave it all, so we're all free to go play ball. <laughs> it's like a lyric a child wrote in school. Oh man! Anyway, take a knee, my ass. If you're not here to check it out, we'll give him some free uh free pub there. Um. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's that was music guff, a new feature that we've never done before. Uh, tune in next week. I'm sure we'll definitely all listen to a new album, which we always regularly do. Uh, well, I, yeah. I listened. Uh, I'm going to go see CKY in a couple of weeks in Dublin, so I've been listening to their stuff lately. Not that anybody needs to hear me talk about CKY. Anyway, go on. What's that? So, where, where are we going? Uh, uh, Kid Lycos is in that band, isn't he? <laughs> You see what I've done there, folks? <laughs> I, I, I cleverly juxtaposed <laughs> that band with, with popular indie trio CCK. Um, so that's a good one for you all to think on for the rest of the show. So have you not seen any telly this week? No. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm kind of keeping on with the, uh, uh, the same uh, stuff I've been uh, watching for a while. I, I think I have two episodes left of the new Stranger Things. Um uh, it's good. Uh, it's like it. It's a bit slow, and I feel like it's picking up now, which is good. But I feel like that's how I felt about the first one as well. It's like it's never, it's never bad, but it it does kind of crawl along. 
um, uh, in terms of big story moments. Um, mm. But the good thing about that show is it, it has a, a, a fun tone and it you know looks and sounds really great. So you're never you're never really bored, even when it's going kind of slowly. So uh, it's it, it, I'm near enough to the end. I I'm, I can confidently give it a, a solid thumbs up unless unless the ending uh, really stinks. Uh, I started uh, The Punisher, which is uh, obviously another Netflix thing. It's, it's their latest Marvel thing. Uh, I've only seen one episode. Uh, it just came out on Friday, and obviously I've been busy with all kinds of other stuff. Uh, it's good. It's solid. The Punisher was like one of the few good things about Daredevil Season 2. Uh, I think John Berthnall, who is legitimately Kurt Angle's cousin, or they're at least very good friends, I believe. Um, I can never, you know, it's hard to tell when they're calling each other cousin on Twitter and stuff like what that means. But they've worked together at the very least. Um, he is He's fantastic. I mean, he's hes a really great kind of stony-faced soldier man. Um, you know, it, it, it's good. I've seen some criticisms that like all these Marvel Netflix things, it's 13 episodes long, which is a pain in the ass. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it keeps the interest level up. Um, uh, and yeah, and it, and it seems like it's going to be a... a good kind of introspective thing because the punisher is kind of one of those weird characters especially in 2017 where it's like uh, this like ex-military guy who just kind of goes around murdering criminals uh, you know it's it's cool when you're like an 11 year old but when you're making a tv show for like mature audiences i don't know that anyone even as an anti-hero i don't know that anyone would really it, it's tough to just kind of relate to him in some ways, and, and it seems like it's maybe going to be more about how he deals with a lot of that stuff more than just him just going around being a, a murdering freak. Mm. Uh, so yeah, uh, thumbs up. I, I, I think I mentioned it the last few weeks, but but I feel like Netflix is really really worth the money on the strength of the the original content alone these days. Um, uh, even though you know not everything's a home run, this is the first of this is the first Marvel thing I've watched and or enjoyed in some time. So, so obviously they haven't been great lately, but um, lots of other good stuff on there. So, yeah, that's Telly Guff this week. I'll probably have some more kind of uh, Punisher thoughts next week. Uh, see here, game Guff video games are still coming out. <laughs> what a terrible segue! <laughs> and uh, the video oh. games uh, still exist. Let me check. Uh, oh, yes. Have, have you seen this? Have you heard the news where they released the game? Oh, can you believe it? Um, anyway, so I uh, I finished Little Nightmares, uh, which I started in October, and then obviously it got sidetracked with Mario and other stuff. Uh, really, really good. Uh, I think I mentioned on the podcast before. If you like your limbos and whatnot, um, mm, which I which I didn't. Funny uh, enough. Uh, you oh you didn't like Limbo? That's right. Did you like Inside? I never played it. Okay, uh, so so it's 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 kind of like adjacent to those games. It's kind of like you know, you have your Dark Souls and you have your Dark Souls clones that are, that are like, oh, I can do that, but I'll do it with with this twist. I mean, that's that's Little Nightmares in a way. It's 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 that, but um, it's it's different. It's 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 still side scrolling. It's still that same perspective, but it is three D. So mm. you do have you can you know move. In, in three dimensions, which is a nice touch. It means that it feels a little less tighter as a platformer. I think I think Limbo and Inside are very they're very polished. They're very tight. Um, it's really it's kind of up to you to kind of figure out how to solve everything. I, I I never kind of feel like it's it's badly designed. If I fuck up, it's like my fault. Whereas Little Nightmares is like eh, you know 
2.5D, 3D platforming. It's a little imprecise. Also, some of the some of the puzzles and some of the goals and uh, or, or where you're going in level sometimes not super clear. You, it's not just a case of hey, run to the right like in Limbo. Um, yeah. So, so that was a minor criticism. But other than that, I think it's really tremendous. It's it's much more of a straight horror game than than Limbo and Inside. It's very very creepy. One of the big one of the big things that differentiate it is it's um, there's a lot more of kind of the cat and mouse stuff, kind of like the spider scene early in Limbo. Yeah. Uh, lots lots of you being chased, lots of hiding. You're you're sneaking into little crevices to hide, and like the things you're hiding from, they are just the most like like really just grotesque unsettling things ever you're basically playing as a small child trying to escape what some kind of weird prison uh, ship where kids are being like uh, kidnapped and eaten it appears and there's there's more to the story that i won't get into but um the the um the the monsters who basically just look like kind of tall very obese humans they they look like they're in like gross rubber suits almost um mm. I, I don't think they i don't think in the canon of the universe they that's what they are but that's just kind of the graphical style they're going for like almost like you know kind of an 80s horror prop wipe and they they just look so disgusting um it's it's very very cool it's only about five hours long um, I, I would recommend it, certainly, if anyone's looking for a, a kind of a creepy uh, short experience like that. Um, uh, yeah, so that's a thumbs up. Yeah, I see. Uh, I'm looking at pictures over here. It, it definitely has a kind of a Tim Burton kind of... Yes, yeah. Even, even maybe a little bit of uh, Guillermo del Toro, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's cool. It is very cool, and and like I said, the the platforming and the puzzles are a lot of them are fine, but some of them are just a little bit. Uh, what am I doing here? I'm a little bit lost. Uh, it's not as tight as your limbos, but it's good. I I, I give it a hearty recommendation. Also, it's free. for for anyone who watches uh, Steven Universe, which is I, I assume a very very tiny percentage of our listeners, the the main character is exactly the same shape, shape as Peridot from that show, um, with the perfectly kind of diamond head. Um, but yeah, it looks looks good. It's not something that I've um, looked into myself, but it definitely looks like a a very very good stylish kind of game. I I do like games that have kind of really a distinct kind of feel or look to them. So that's looks quite nice. Yeah. So is, um, is it expensive? Do you know? Um, I I feel like it's what is it, probably about twenty quid. Um, uh, it's it's frequently on sale. I'm pretty sure I got it on sale. Okay. Uh, but it's 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 I I don't remember being um might might be one, might be one of those things which is a PS uh, plus game in the next year. Or so. Yes, yeah, probably. Um, uh, let me see here. On I just did a quick Google on Steam. It's twenty US dollars, so that's yeah, it's probably twenty euro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's frequently on sale. Uh, I think it's worth twenty quid, definitely. But um, if you want to wait till it's on sale, that's that's good. Ah, uh, yeah. So that's a uh, that's a thumbs up for that. And uh, I I bought. Um, uh, Edith Finch. Yeah. So I'd say that will probably be next. I I want to get to that. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I'm kind of winding down on Mario. The um the, the post game stuff isn't as compelling as I was kind of hoping it would be. It's just here's 500 more. Yeah. My 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 brother 100 percented it in the week. Oh really? Wow. <sighs> Son of a bitch. I haven't even started playing the fucking thing. Uh, you you you'll, you'll be happy. You wait. That's going to be a great Christmas thing. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so I bought Edith Finch. I'll probably get to that next. I, I also really bought... hope you like Edith Finch. I really do. I think I will. It looks like my kind of game. It's like easily my top three games of the year. Uh, and I also got Pyre, um, which is from the folks who made Bastion. 
mm. and um, Transistor. Neither of which I played. I owned them both, but I never played them. Um, and I heard they're very good. Uh, that's that's another very acclaimed thing. It's kind of got a weird sports game vibe to it where they made a kind of quasi dodgeball game and it's also an adventure game so you're you're walking around talking to people in between the games it seems cool a lot of people praising it highly so I'm yeah i remember them talking about pyre when it was on on whatever podcast i listened to when it was coming out yeah it seems like something that, i think it got very very well reviewed is what i remember at the time yeah so so those were you know two games i'm hoping to tip away at so that's good uh, yeah, so I'll probably have thoughts on those in the coming uh, weeks. What about you, Paul? You still tipping away at the stuff you've been you've been playing for the last while? Uh, yeah, well, let me. Pyre, IGN gave Pyre a nine point seven. By the way. Oh wow! Uh, just saw it there. Um, well, yeah, I I, I finished um, as I, I mentioned last week. I finished Horizon uh, Frozen Wild, so I'm done with that. Okay. Uh, and I started and finished South Park Stick of Truth in the week. Oh. So that's a, a good um, 10, 15 hour game, I would say. Um, I didn't I didn't platinum it because it's, it's one of those games that the platinum requires multiple playthroughs. I'm not going to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I started it during the week and I just finished it there in the last three hours. Um, very, very much, you know, very much enjoyed it. Um, it's a game that I, I owned on PS3. And I've played what well, felt like 10 hours, but it must have only been about five, four or five hours. Um, and that was at a time where I was much less, let's say, into video games than I am now. Mm. I, was, I, 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 I would never give any game I was playing the same kind of focus or the same kind of attention that I would nowadays. So I think I got about five hours into it and then just... You know those kind of situations where you just don't play any game for like five weeks and then you're like, well, I can't just go back to it and then I just... didn't Um, so of course I did buy uh, Fractured But Whole on the Mm. PSN store last week and of course with that you get for free uh, a download for The Stick of Truth, the original PS3 game so of course since I never beat it the first time I said I'm gonna start again and beat that game, play it the whole way through and beat it and uh, I'm really happy I did because it's, it's it's a hell of a game um, especially if you're a South Park fan going in, um, I would say if if you don't watch South Park, it's it's probably a, a middle of the road kind of quite simple RPG because it does lean very heavily onto kind of references and ca- yeah. characters that it, it assumes that you're familiar with and situations that it assumes you're familiar with. Um, and being that I'm a big South Park fan, uh, I loved all of that stuff. I loved all the character stuff. It it felt like. You know, a ten-hour, fifteen-hour episode of the show, basically, and that—that—that's the highest compliment I could give it because it—it's it, so so clever, so well written. Um, I mean, it's not perfect. One thing, one thing I would say about it is the it, because it has to stick so kind of faithfully to the South Park visual style. It means that the 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 overworld that it takes place in does feel kind of flat. And not only flat, like meaning like two D, but kind of yeah, uninterestingly flat, you know. And and navigating the world as a result isn't very fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I played a bit of it again. I think I mentioned this on the show before. I I started it like literally just before I got my PS4. So when the PS3 was disconnected, that was the end of me playing South Park. But yeah, and you're you're kind of toing and froing a lot, if I recall correctly, in the in the overworld. Yeah, and not only um, that, but um, fast travel 
is a little bit cumbersome in that you have to walk to a fast travel point to travel to another oh, as opposed to that. just being able to you know I, I don't know why these games like I had the same criticism about Horizon where like just don't put limitations on fast travel if somebody wants to fast travel to avoid walking across the goddamn world let them do it you know it doesn't you shouldn't yeah. need to have the exact resources necessary or you shouldn't need to have to walk to one point to go to just let me fast travel fucking oblivion could do it in 2006 we, we, we can't do it in 2017 um but that being said uh the the combat is very very similar to paper mario which is a game that i love as well which itself is probably based on you know old like games secret of man and final fantasy and so on um so i found the combat very very satisfying i would say though that you do reach a point in the game where you're almost too powerful and as a result the kind of end game is a little bit too easy um it's one of those rare games where it's actually harder at the beginning <laughs> than at the end you, you the, the more powerful you become the easier the game gets um which on the other hand did did allow me to kind of breeze through the last five or so hours pretty quickly without having to like repeat um repeat spots um one thing though about it is of course the european version is censored right so I think you have like seven scenes where there, I know there's uh anal probe scene and abortion scenes are, are censored out of the European version. Yes. Yeah. So you just get a screen which has like, oh, sorry, Europeans, this is censored for you. Here's what's happened. So, of course, when that would happen, I would just go straight to YouTube and watch the scene uncensored. So completely pointless. Um, But this actually. Yeah. Yeah. Censor. Censor. Yeah. That's so. It's so weird when it's like if. Like if I was, I, I I assume like you know they the the relevant regulatory boards have their reasons, but like if you know it's going to be unaltered in the U.S., like he, like what like who like and who's old enough to play a South Park game that isn't going to just hop right on YouTube and see it? Like that seems like such a, a a silly thing. Well, apparently this decision was made by Ubisoft themselves, as opposed to it being something that was forced on them by a regulatory. Like, right. Yeah. But 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 I mean most most yeah, it was, like it was, that are like. We we know what the what the relevant boards in our our market you know do and don't like you know what I mean exactly. so so I'd say they they probably they probably but this actually has an impact on the game itself because um, the abortion mini game uh, you obviously don't play it right because it's it, it censors it out so it it skips that part of the game essentially but then towards the very end of the game you are forced to progress uh, you're forced to um, to do on on a machine like an abortion basically but that mm. it's not censored in the end game so i'm doing this thing and i don't have essentially i didn't do do the tutorial for it earlier on because it was censored so i yeah i was kind of stuck on this part where i wasn't able to do it because i hadn't done it before so it actually it being censored actually had an impact on the gameplay as opposed yeah, to it just sucks. being a little section they skip yeah it's completely stupid completely sucks um Nevertheless, really, really enjoyed it. Really, really looking forward to more. And I believe that Fractured But Whole is kind of more of the same, which I've seen some people say is kind of a uh, a negative, but I I enjoyed Stick of Truth so much that I kind of just want more of the same. So I'm happy with that. Um, obviously, Stick of Truth is, uh, you know, a send-up of Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and Skyrim and stuff like that. It's, it's orcs and norks and, and elves and, and whatnot. Whereas uh, Fractured But Whole is, is superheroes. 
So I'm looking forward to how they kind of do that. One, one thing about Stick of Truth, I got I got to say, it's so so funny. It's yes, yeah. it, it it it's perfect in in that aspect. In in that it works perfectly as a kind of South Park story. The characters are all perfect. They're perfectly used. Characters show up at like perfect moments. Um, so it's not just this world that they've kind of applied South Park to, but it's been re- obviously it's been really really kind of thought through. And it, it's it's so so. It's probably one of the best written games, I think I've probably ever played. Um, mechanically, like I say, though, it's 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 very very simple. So if you're not a huge South Park fan, it's probably not something that you'll get a lot out of. Um, but for South Park fans, it's like it it's the perfect game to accompany the series. Like they, it's in no way a letdown. So I was super super happy with that. Um, and before then, I go into. Um, the Factory But Whole, I downloaded the last episode of Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale yeah. series. Um, I've played the first chapter of it, so I'm still, you know, very, very early in. Um, so I'm hoping to have that maybe finished. I'm not going to have finished tomorrow because tomorrow is work and then Survivor Series. But um, hopefully on Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll, I'll power through the remaining five chapters of that and get that in the bag and then i'll start with uh fractured but whole so i'm very very much looking forward to it yeah it's it's been a while since i've been obviously well obviously discounting mario but it's been a while since i've been kind of so eager to get my claws into a game and i feel like it's just coming off the back of stick of truth um so thanks to uh ubisoft for giving us both of the games that was like a that's a super cool thing that they just said you know yeah we're gonna have it yeah so I, I'm very, very appreciative of that. I hope they eventually flog that <laughs> the previous one for like twenty quid. Um, uh, yeah, because I, I, I want to, I want to play that um, before I play the new one. Uh, but I also don't like, I don't want to pay full price for the new one either to get the original, if you know what I mean. So I, I'm well, gonna wait what, a while. What I, what I would do is is keep an eye out on uh, on Friday because it's. Black Friday, so you might have a, a deal or two. Maybe South Park would show up there on fourth. I, I almost forgot about that. Actually, yeah, the, mm. it's good old, uh, good old yeah. Black Friday coming up. Gosh, I was, I feel dirty participating in it based on how on all the employees who are going to get trampled on Friday. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So like, um, like Mufasa in the Lion King. Yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned the, the Telltale Guardians game. But Telltale, of course, laid off like twenty five percent of their workforce recently yeah um so so i wonder if that bubble is bursting perhaps um could be i I think and i think they put out a statement saying they were you know restructuring and maybe going to focus on less games at one you know focus on a couple of games rather than uh you know this thing where they've been kind of churning out 90 out of time so um that was a game a guff for the week have you seen any movie films because i haven't just the one this week uh i talked about murder on the orient express last week with uh kenneth branagh and his wacky mustache uh i went out after i watched that i bought the original i think it's 1973 uh version which is directed by sydney uh Lumet, who directed my favorite movie of all time, Twelve Angry Men. Mm. Um, 
I think the the original murder on the Orient Express is is way better than the new one. I mean, that kind of goes without saying, right? A lot of these remakes of classic films rarely tend out to be an improvement. I mean, I watched yeah. uh, I watched The Magnificent Seven last year or the year before, and that was kind of again another subpar reimagining of or, or redo of one of these these classic movies. Um, so. I watched, as I said, uh, 1974, sorry, uh, version, directed by Sidney Lumet, starring uh, Lauren Bacall, Ingrid Bergman, Sean Connery, um, Anthony Perkins, who people probably don't know his name, but he's the guy from Psycho, uh, who plays, um, what's the character name, Norman Bates, uh, so a really good cast, first of all, um, Lumet's version or Lumet, excuse me, I, I really have trouble with his name, um, is a lot more kind of straightforward than the, the new one. There's a lot less fake-outs and kind of chase scenes and fight scenes, a lot more of a, an investigation, which kind of is, is, is both a, you know, a blessing and a curse in that the movie is, is essentially... It's, it's actually very close to 12 Angry Men in this way, because, I, I, you know, I love 12 Angry Men, in that it's just clue after clue after clue after clue uh like uh, the way the 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 original murder on the orient express film here is is structured is that it's just a series of interviews with with each character essentially so it's it's very very dialogue heavy it almost feels like you're watching a play um but the negative of that is you have like poirot interviews one character let's say and then that character is not in the movie for the next hour or ten because <laughs> he's interviewing all the rest of them. So you have just these these great actors, great actors who are only in the film for these like five ten minute chunks, you know. And then it moves along, moves along, moves along. Uh, so Sean Connery, you know, he shows up at the beginning of the movie, obviously, and then he's not in it until maybe twenty minutes from the end when he just shows up for his interview now. So that's one thing that I think that the new one does a little bit better is that it kind of bounces around from character to character and keeps all the characters kind of in the viewers you know, mind or in, in their view, you know, um, cause you know, out of sight, out of mind where the, where the character is not in the movie for an hour, you kind of forget who they are right. and what's, what's kind of going on. Um, but in terms of it being a mystery, I kind of, I think that the older one does, does the, the setting up the clues and, and the way that Poirot kind of comes across the different, the different clues and what do they mean? And I, I, I feel like that that's a little bit more cleverly handled in the old one. Um, whereas the new, it's, I, I kind of feel like the, the new one is kind of made a little bit more for the Transformers audience, you know what I mean? Where everything is a little bit more obvious and everything is a little bit more, yeah, less subtle, let's say. Um, and then I, I think that the way that they handle the, the reveal in the old one is a lot more, um, without spoiling it, it's a lot more like something out of the fucking Wicker Man. It's very, very haunting and very almost horror is it the same almost. is it the same twist is it the same story oh absolutely yeah it's the same story for sure oh really okay wow but it's 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 less dumb than the new one like the new one makes it seem like um because it has this weird fake out immediately before the reveal where you have one of the characters just inexplicably, inexplicably goes i did it this one obviously doesn't have that which which makes the actual revelation a little bit more uh impressive um 
but it is it is the the ending of of the uh the 74 version does seem feels a little bit more wicker manny whereas the the new one feels a little bit more like the nicholas cage wicker man <laughs> <laughs> the peace the peace they're in my eyes oh god um, oh dear so i i really liked the 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 older one um i i re uh viewed my my score for the new one down to a, a five out of ten i gave this one an eight uh, one thing I also did on my letterbox, by the way, since we're on the topics of, topic of movies, um, I started making a list because um, you know on on my letterbox I have uh, best to worst of each year. Okay, I have like twenty eleven, twenty twelve. I started making a list of the best and worst films of the decade so far. So it's just it's the best to worst of the two thousand tens. Um, do you want to guess how many movies I've seen since January first, two thousand ten, or at least how oh, many how many gosh. of the movies that have come out since then have I seen? Two hundred, uh, three hundred and four. Um, okay, I'll I'll give you a rundown of my top fifteen. Okay, now some people will will think that this is a stupid list, and they're probably right. But again, this is just. Disclaimer: This is just uh, this is just me. Uh, number fifteen, we have Moonlight. Yes. Um, number fourteen, The Artist. Uh, Thirteen, we have Mother from this year. That's the highest ranked twenty seventeen movie. Uh, I think that I think that one may get you some heat based on what <laughs> I've heard. But uh, twelve, Whiplash. Eleven, Birdman. Ten, Prisoners, which of course I love Prisoners. Uh, nine, mm. Spring Breakers, which I know Barry you're also a big fan of. Yeah. Uh, eight, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Seven, Skyfall, which is my favorite Bond movie. Uh, mm. Six, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Really? Wow. And then we get into the top five. Number five, Ex Machina. Mm. Four, Arrival. Mm. Three, The Raid. Yeah. Two, Inception. Mm-hmm. And number one is uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Nebraska. Um, yes, yeah. I, I was wondering what your number one was. I forgot about Nebraska. Yeah, I know you like that one. Uh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize you rated um, uh, Inception so highly. Yeah, I, I didn't either until I started putting the list together. To be honest, where I was like, you know what? I, I think I think I've seen Inception about six times since it came out. And I've only seen it once, but I should I should rewatch it because I, I did really like it. It is good. The one thing about making this list, right, is when, when you make your kind of best to worst list of of each year, um. It's quite easy because you have, you know, you have three or four movies you gave like a 10 out of 10. And then you have like maybe five or six movies you gave a nine. Uh, and you kind of work your way down. Uh, with this one, I had 28 movies I've given a 10 out of 10. And <laughs> just trying to like put them into some kind of order where you're like, okay, which one, which one of these do I like better than the other ones? And that's kind of how, how it ended up. Because um, some movies, some movies that I love, okay, are, 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 quite low on the list in terms of like what you would consider to be high and low like to give you an idea i have um cabin in the woods right number 29 Mm. um let's see what else we have uh something like trying to see trying to say a movie that's not too kind of wanky uh this is the end <laughs> which i love as well you know this is the end number 72 
yeah. Tintin, 74. Fast and Furious 7, which is, I think, the best one, number 75. Mm. Um, and then we go to the other end. Any guess what's the worst one, Barry? What, the, like, number 100? Number 304. Oh. Uh, oh, I don't. I don't think you'd guess it. It's something that I, I, I reviewed on this show. It was funny because I watched um, Paul, obviously, which is the movie with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, right? I watched Joe, which is a movie starring Nicolas Cage. And then at number 304 is a movie called Someone Marry Barry. <laughs> oh, I remember this. Yeah, I remember you did the, the, the Paul, Barry Paul Joe thing. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I was trying to think. I was like... What? Because uh, I, I knew, even though we all buried it, I knew it wouldn't be something like Batman v Superman or anything like that. No, Batman um, Superman is, is a little bit higher up. See if I can find where that is. But it's still pretty low, I assume. Uh, 234. So there's like 70 movies below that. Hmm. Um, yeah, so someone marry Barry, obviously not, <laughs> not getting a, a high recommendation. So um, uh, just as before we move on, Moving off wise, I guess you haven't seen the old uh, Justice League. No, not yet. Yeah, um, I assume that's going to be down in the the three hundred fives somewhere. Yeah, I've mostly negative things. Some some positive, you know. Some it seems that in general, it's at least being reviewed better than the other ones, with the exception of one woman. Oh, excuse me, yawning. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know when I'm gonna. I I want to see it, but you know, just to just to say I saw it. But it also apparently bombed at the box office this weekend, which I was legitimately shocked by. I mean, say, say what you will about the, the quality of the films, but I kind of assumed just by virtue of how big the characters are and the names and the novelty of seeing them together, I thought that they would be able to withstand the barrage of shit that has been this franchise so far. But 90-something 90, 90 million it took i'm surprised that well i'm surprised that i'm not surprised i'm surprised insofar as um that suicide squad i believe is one of the better selling ones or, oh or that was a gigantic the, the success ones, yeah, yeah. And, and the reason yeah. i say that is because i feel like you know with batman v superman you have right there in the title you know batman superman uh wonder woman same thing and then i just think i feel like justice league especially outside of america is not as quickly associable as a kind of brand to batman or to superman you know um because we don't we don't have this really big culture of like comic book reading and so on so i don't know how well known justice league as a brand is um but then i kind of can't really apply that rule because suicide squad is the biggest one so i don't know yeah i think i think i think suicide squad legitimately had you know some real hype behind it, I think. You know, yeah, well, first... I had a lot more talk behind it because you had obviously Jared Leto as as the Joker was kind of a big deal. And... Yeah, even even as goofy as he looked, and I, I think the person... <laughs> and was in the movie. What it was in the movie, yeah, and all the all the talk of the reshoots and everything. I think I think the novelty of like the first Harley Quinn in a film, I think, carried them a lot as yeah, well. Yeah. I think the fact that they, they had a not despised director at the helm. Where it was like, I mean, the film still ended up bad, but in the lead up to it, people were able to convince themselves it might not be bad, you know. 
But uh, this one, I think, yeah, I, I just think this is showing that I guess these gigantic franchises are not bulletproof because there's no. It, it, it must just be the, um, the the legacy damages of how bad all those previous ones were. Um, that people are just like I, I don't care about seeing all these characters together. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty astounding. It really is, and you have to wonder what the uh, the future for the for the series is. I wonder I wonder which one of these is going to turn out to be the the Batman and Robin, which finally kind of puts the kibosh on the whole thing. You know, like how bad does it have to get? Yeah, I mean, especially when you consider like you have this one where you have all the biggest names together in there having their Avengers moment, and it does what it does. Meanwhile, Marvel, I you know, I guarantee you, like Black Panther will probably be a mammoth success. I think it'll probably be huge. Mm. Um, like, how do, do DC expect that? Okay, well, now let's make our cyborg film or our Black Adam film, and and like, how can you even convince yourself that that's going to be a success when when uh, the 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 big names are, are, are showing that they are not, you know, they can't withstand the bad press. You know, it's just. Uh, I don't know. I hope I hope DC and Warner Brothers become the first big entity to to just outright bin their fucking universe concept and just go back to making films the way it used to be. You know, just just we're not going to bother trying to connect them. Just get me a good director and they can have the Batman license for three films like Christopher Nolan did. You know what I mean? Like just and and fuck this tying them in together and all this other shit. Just just make good movies and and people will go see them although i guess i guess i think actually universal may be the first ones to uh to bow out of that it seems like the dark the, uh, universe it seems like the dark universe is is is, is heading straight for the bin. Uh, yeah the uh, mummy number 291 near near the bottom yeah that's yeah and now i think that was a big financial bomb as well i, I think yeah um and they i i haven't seen it but i heard i mean i just I did not bother skipping past any spoilers in like the red letter media review. And like, say I did not give a shite, but there's stuff in there that is obviously, you know, designed to, to, to lead into other films. And, and they have, they have some of those other characters in that one. Um, but yeah, it seems like they are maybe going to bin it. So, um, here's hoping I, I'm way, even with Marvel, which are still like good. I'm just, I'm just way past these, um, these cinematic universes and these franchises going on and on forever. Um, you know, so anyway, that's movie guff for this week. I'll probably try and see Justice League soon, I mean, and I, I'll probably try and see it in the next the next week, um, uh, and, and and come back next week with a review. Uh, so I do have an email uh, that we can get to, and, and I'm sure you probably do as well, Paul. I, uh, I have an email here from one Mister Joe Towner. Is that right? I might be pronouncing that correct. Uh, he sent us an email. Uh, it actually ties into something we were going to talk about in uh, uh, the news. He says, uh, hi Barry, I hope you are well. I was just wondering if you think the types of sex scandal that have rocked Hollywood and politics could affect wrestling. It survived domestic abuse, murder, homophobia, racism, drug scandals, and more. But finding out that a major booker or star was a sex pest really make that much difference? Uh, also, how would WWE handle something coming out, uh, considering their squeaky clean PR approach in recent years? Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, we, we I think we had a little note about this in the news. I guess we could talk about it here. I mean... I honestly, I, I think lots of stories are eventually going to come out. I think, I think that's unavoidable. Um, every, you know, micro community within the broader community of entertainment has been, has been rocked by it. I mean, obviously here in Ireland, just, just, you know, this week we had the whole Al Porter story coming out. Um, 
Yeah, you had the stand-up comedy world coming out against Louis C.K. I mean, those are stories that were not even, they were kind of open secrets within that community for a while, and and there's no way wrestling escapes. Um, But what I'm really questioning is whether or not people will give enough of a shit to try and change it. Um, whereas, you know, with Hollywood, it's like, it seems like, you know, certain people are going to be ousted. It's going to be really tough. You know, I, I, I'm very, I consider myself cynical, but, you know, I, I don't imagine that the, the Weinsteins at Al will be back on that scene anytime soon. At least I would hope, um, you know, so, but with wrestling, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, we've, we've, we had the Bram conversation flaring up again this week, um, with, um, Flash Morgan Webster, who's a, a popular and, and a well-liked, you know, figure in, in British indie wrestling, generally considered a nice guy. He has a very successful podcast. He had Bram on there, uh, and and depending on on how cynical you want to be, either he was just a naive guy who, you know, Bram's buddies hooked up with him and then said, "Hey, get this guy in the podcast," or maybe he himself is is just there's this weird cult in the British indie scene that Bram is a bit sound and we need to work together to rehab his image. It's very deliberate. We saw it with the OTT thing with, with the amount of people who came out of the woodwork to support him. So so we had we had that guy uh, uh you know uh getting his getting his chance to, to do damage control on a popular podcast. Just as we we're recording this, uh Bram won the ICW Money in the Bank gimmick um uh, <laughs> at their uh their hydro show and not only did he win it he won it with a little bit of assistance from one session moth martina um who i guess in in perhaps an interesting bit of foreshadowing in ott relevant to what we've we've talked about she turned heel obviously um oh in, in a, okay which that i mean when i heard martina turned heel in icw i was um very much um, the the Drake image of him pointing and being happy from the Hotline uh, Bling video, but when I heard it was involving a Bram push, I was I was Drake uh, saying no, thank you. That meme image, that was me. <laughs> so there's your relatable content, uh, teens. Were you saying um, Boo or Boo Earns? I was very much saying Boo Earns when I heard they turned her heel, and then <laughs> or, saying, or Boo Ram. I was saying I was saying Boo Ram when I found out it was it was. It was <laughs> It was Bram. So that fucking sucks. So, I mean, so there's that guy who, you know, he's getting a push in, you know, this big, arguably the biggest European indie company on one of their biggest nights of the year. You know, he's got all all the prominent indie wrestlers rallied around him and said, please book him. He's a nice lad. He's going on. Like, you look at the damage control that these people do for for the one guy who fans have protested about. Um, and it's tough to um, to envision that wrestling can get better. And we also had Will Ospreay this week really putting his foot in his mouth. I thought this whole thing was very, very um, uh, um, frustrating. Um, I, I, I didn't really uh, uh, put the pieces together until someone kind of pointed it out to me. But um, uh, a former Progress regular, uh, Pollyanna, uh, you know, a long time. Uh, I think I think she's been on the British indie scene for a while. She'd been, she'd spoken publicly on her Twitter without getting into, uh, you know, not naming individuals and not getting into too many specifics. She talked about, um, uh, some, uh, you know, an assault that happened to her on, on the scene. She ha- she had like kind of semi retired. She wrestles in like mainland Europe now. It seems like she's very much she's tried to sever ties with the British scene, which is uh, again uh, a bit of a damning account of that scene and and how you know people going to back for their buddies and, and not necessarily believing or, or sticking up for, for victims. So she was, she was tweeting quite a lot about her frustration at how someone who had done something to her had returned recently and, and, 
and you know speaking very negatively about you know promoters and the business and and she got a lot of support from fans and um then earlier then you know this week uh osprey uh, tweeted and then very quickly deleted but you're never quick enough to delete someone will always see it and screen cap it he said that i can't believe that people can just make accusations on social media which talk about a take that you should keep to yourself in this day and age um so that that was basically it. He was like, you know, oh, it's crazy that you can you can just make accusations like that. And people said, "Shut up, mate." And he said, "Oh, I'm sorry. I just hate liars." And then everyone was like, "Oh, shut up, pal." So 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 this was ongoing for a while. People gave him a lot of shit. He was tweeting stuff and deleting it. And eventually, he said he was turning over uh, handling of his account to someone else. That lasted for like a couple of hours. He came back on. He said, you know, I'm sorry. Here's a here's a link for a, a abuse charity you can donate well, for, to. No, I, what he did was first he went, well, you know, I had to give testimony in court when I was like 17. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. Which now, to be fair, I mean, so he did say that he himself was, was he, he didn't get into specifics. He mentioned that he, there was something that happened to him when he was 14. And when he was 17, he had to give evidence in a trial. I mean, you know. To be fair, obviously that's that sounds you know quite terrible, and that's not you know that's not something uh, you, you, we should probably gloss over, and that's fair enough. It sounds like he had a, a bad experience, but again, it, it it's kind of like the whole Kevin Spacey thing where he was like, "Oh, did I do that? I'm sorry." Anyway, I'm gay, folks. Do you guys want to talk about that instead, or uh, you know, it was like you know, with all due respect to what he went through, he, him mentioning it at a time when he was being criticized very much felt like him trying to shift the conversation uh, which was a which was a bad look in my in my opinion um yeah it was a little bit i mean we had you, you mentioned earlier al porter who's an irish quote-unquote celebrity um yeah who who i had not heard of until that new blind date relaunched um his uh his shifting of the goalposts were that uh, even worse than i mean people people laughed at the kevin spacey uh, gay distraction but uh, his defense of being accused of, of this kind of sexual misconduct was oh I'm an outrageous and flamboyant celebrity and I was just being working, living the gimmick you know yeah good lord and and some uh, we won't get into it here but some of the stuff he was accused of is just like you cannot write that off as just being a you know an eccentric goofball but anyway um so so when osprey you know this whole back and forth happened he posted his account of what happened to him and then he was then he was given over control of his account and then he was back and when he came back he he said you know hey i i donated to this charity you guys can do it too and i want to take some feedback on how on how i can you know be better and so i i again you know someone kind of explained it to me obviously that that i don't know i don't know what the story is but it, it, a lot of people we're, we're basically inferring that that him speaking out against liars and stuff like that, you know, it was pretty obviously aimed at, at Pollyanna. She was also, you know, not replying to him, but she was obviously directly reacting and and talking about how disgusted she was to be called a liar. And so, just a, a million people just at, you know, were replying to him saying you should apologize directly to her if you want people to feel like you are um, you're serious about this. And I think in one message, you know, again, this wasn't one of his big public statements. In in a reply to someone, he said, "Oh." I'll apologize to her in person, not on here. You know, I, I want to make amends. 
it just felt it, it, it is very 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 uh, uncomfortable situation and again these are things that i'm sure there's so much more to these to this story than any of us know uh, this is just a very a very small public glimpse into it but it certainly seems like you know um, there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of skeletons in closets a lot of a lot of um, people who are afraid to speak out and and this is kind of just one example of how speaking out doesn't necessarily get you anything um yeah it kind of just reinforces as well the fact that wrestlers are are people um and i don't mean you know i mean i don't want to get into the the, the idea that there's just necessarily any kind of seedy underbelly to to what is essentially the seediest business in the world um yeah but it just kind of reinforces that that they're people and and like people in the street you have some of them who are good people and some of them who are who are shitty people and you know of course we we do have that little bit of kind of not hero worship necessarily but you do see people celebrities on a kind of pedestal uh just to just to keep your expectations in check about are 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 half of them even good people in the first place? I mean, they sure think they are. Yeah, don't um, don't be so surprised when something like this happens. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I this this is going to be the absolute worst of um, cock tease radio. I don't mean to be ambiguous, but I I was made privy to something this week that makes me wonder how much OTT I'll go to in the new year. Um, it was something that when I found out, I was like, I don't, if I had, if I didn't have accommodation sorted and, and if I didn't have friends coming over from the UK, I'm not even sure if I'd be going to being the elite. Um, it was not, it, and again, I, I don't want to get into specifics on air, but it of was course. someone okay. sent me something that was like, this is not even an accusation. This is like a, a thing that did happen. And I was like, oh boy. Uh, it was a fucking bummer, and this isn't this isn't me saying uh, I'm swearing them off forever. I'm never going again because it's so difficult. Because it's like I want to I want to go and I want to support the good lads, especially uh, especially you know Ireland is such a weird specific thing where it's such a small scene that struggled for so long, and it's like I don't want to punish everyone because of this you know certain individuals, but it's just like it feels. It feels like I, I'm in a in a tough position, so I I you know I've got a lot of thinking to do about it going forward, but um, but yeah, it's it's tough, it's tough. Um, so so yeah, and I, I think I think you're right. I think I think definitely keeping your expectations in in check is um, uh, is important. But anyway, uh, thanks for that email, uh, Joe. As I mentioned, that was something that we were probably going to talk about during the news. So glad you uh, uh you chimed in with it there. Uh, got a mail yourself there, Paul? I do. It's from Joan Joe Townwer. Uh, subject, film soundtracks. He says, hi, Paul. Hope you and the family are well. They're all right. Um, he says, I saw Thor this week, and it was really good. There's Joe's little contribution to Movie Guff. Uh, the Immigrant Song, is uh, using the soundtrack, really stuck with me. Do you have a particular song that you, uh, or for you, is defined by a film it was used for? One that takes you back to the world or characters immediately when hearing it. And that's from Joe. That film sounds good, Towner. Um, I mean, aside from the obvious movies that have like their own scores, you know, obviously, you know, Star Wars and, and Jurassic Park and Back to the mm-hmm. Future. I mean, obviously, um, Power of Love always always brings me back to Back to the Future. You know, it's the power of love. Because I used to play that in the cinema in Dublin before the movies. I used to play Power of Love. 
Um, and that would be, of course, you know, a, partic- a particular song. Um, let me think. Let me think of a few other examples. Um, I'm trying to not go to songs that are, were specifically written for movies. Um, yeah, because it's like the the um, whenever I hear the real uh, real hero song from Drive, I I like picture some of the scenes from that film where that song is played, like, that's a great evocative soundtrack. But again, I, I would, I only ever hear that when I'm like listening to the drive soundtrack. So it's, you know, <laughs> it's not a super, it's not a super popular song. Um, hmm. Uh, the, what's the, the, the ACDC song they use for Iron Man now does make me think of Iron Man all the time. Um, that's like a popular one that exists outside of Iron Man. So maybe that's kind of an example of what which, Joe's asking. Which song do you mean? Uh, shoot the thrill you know that one they use it for Wrestlemania one year oh yeah it's it's called shoot the thrill yeah that's it yeah that's, and it's a fucking bad song <laughs> <laughs> well one example that I have as well for whatever reason just stuck in my head is um, whenever I hear Jimi Hendrix all along the watchtower which is like this classic classic song I remember oh, yeah. that was used in Watchmen um, just completely inexplicably used for like this this scene that is like panning across this like Arctic landscape, and it's like, jing 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 jing, and it's like I don't know why this song is happening now. This makes no fucking sense. Um, oh God, what else? Because obviously, I mean, you have songs for like you know the Ghostbusters song, but it's obviously it's from Ghostbusters, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. Um, I would say that I'm kind of would more be able to list you uh songs that are used in trailers than songs that are used in the actual movies themselves um because i remember one that i really really enjoyed was um this kind of slow acoustic version of black hole sun by audio slave um this woman was singing a very slow kind of haunting and that was used in the trailer for um a walk among the tombstones, and I really, really like that. And whenever I hear Black Hole Sun now, that's kind of what I think of as well. Is that movie, which is a really good movie, by the way. People, if you've not seen A Walk Among the Tombstones, I recommend it. Um, but yeah, this is a tougher question than than it might seem. I might even throw that out to the listeners if they have any suggestions that they could. Yeah, yeah. If, if you want to make over. that. Uh, uh, an email uh, topic they can mm. certainly pop it over um, yeah so uh, thanks Joe for, for the contributions we look forward to hearing from you uh, shortly hopefully you're enjoy- uh, enjoying your week off yeah yeah. I don't think he had any plans he's probably just lazy he's probably, probably waiting for the show to go up I think is probably what he's doing um, <laughs> he wants to know what we I mean I hope he's not expecting a Justice League review apologies to any listeners who were, who were waiting for the old uh, Justice League hot takes we got the box office discussion in there though um, anyway, jumping into the wrestling section of the show here. Busy week. Busy, 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 busy week. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about how garbage wrestlers are. So, yeah, we talked about that. Talked about the uh, the Osprey thing, the Bram thing. Uh, on the side of that weird story. So, so um, Jennifer Hudson has split from David Otonga, who, before we get into the, the heavy and horrid nature of, of, of this story... They were engaged for ten years. I thought they were married. They weren't engaged. They were no. They weren't married. They were engaged for for fifty for ten years. Oof, okay. 
So, which first of all, there's 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 mistake one. Uh, but anyway, so I didn't read a whole lot of details on this, but she's she and a couple of other people are alleging uh, uh, some kind of violence or, or something like that against o- o- Otunga. Uh, pretty pretty serious allegations, um, uh, and they are splitting up. So that story is ongoing again. That just came out. Uh, there has not been any. Um, sanctioned from WWE on this. I don't think they've issued a statement or anything, uh, but they do have a zero tolerance policy on on domestic violence. Uh, so we will see. Um, I, Otoga wasn't even on commentary anymore, was he? No, he's not been on commentary. He, I remember he went away. It was like a six week period. He went away, and Booker T was replacing him, uh, and then he just never came back. He was he did the pre show every now and then. The irony, the irony of this. So, I mean, yeah, he does the pre-show stuff. He does some commentary every now and then. It's like, and if you ever asked yourself, why is he still around? Why did they keep him? My assumption, I never read this. But my assumption was always that they kept him around as a goodwill ambassador because, of course, he, because he's a fully qualified lawyer, and he defended or he represented Hudson in the the trial relating to the murder of her of her family. Yeah. She was, she was, she was, um, some very, so you know, horrible you know, murder of her, of her family. I can't remember the specifics of it, but he, you know, he took time off. I think he was still an active wrestler at the time. And he took time off to represent her. And obviously, look, they've, they've no use for him. He's not a very good commentator. He's not a very good wrestler. I felt like he kind of had a job for life just because he's one of those guys you can't fire for PR reasons. Um, and it just kind of ironic that this is how it all plays out. So yeah, that story is, um, uh, is pretty crazy. I saw some, I, I didn't do any deep reading on it, but I saw some quotes flying around that seemed very, very bad. It seemed like some of his some of his uh, his explanations were not uh, were not up to snuff. Um, so so we'll obviously keep you updated on that. I'll be interested to see if there's any update from from the WWE side in the next um, in the next few days. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, did you did you read any more about that or have any any additional no, thoughts on that? I don't. Okay. Uh, so uh, James Ellsworth, the man to us. That any man with two hands has a fighting chance. Well, James, you can use those two hands to grab a check on the unemployment line uh, because he has been released. Um, they obviously were doing their angle where Carmella and Becky turned on him. They did a tour of house shows where the entire women's roster laid him out, uh, and then and WWE posted videos of the because they are you know on, on instagram and stuff there they posted a video every day from their live events where they were doing this and then they released him which um before we talk about ellsworth in general and his career and what he accomplished i wish wwe did this more often you know uh, you know really you know really treated their their wrestlers like independent contractors bring them in do your angles if they're a heel have them get their ass defiantly whooped just just no, no, no redemption. Just thoroughly kicked, you know, all over the place, which is what he was. You know, he got, he he got his 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 girlfriend turned on him, and all the whole division laid him out. And then I just loved the idea that he is then sent packing from the from the quote unquote territory. Um, I I wish I wish they handled more stuff like that. I think your Zigglers of the world would be less stale if after he he was uh handed all his losses in a, in a program he was then you know off to Europe for a few months to freshen up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so Ellsworth is gone. Um, I have to say, I, I, I think this is one of the great, uh, honestly, one of the great success stories in, in recent WWE history. Uh, you know, 
brought in to be squashed by Braun because he was a short, pudgy, ugly little weirdo. Did his did his goofy promo about any man with two hands. For some reason, the fans latched on to him purely because of how wondrous a jobber he was. You know, because he just looked ridiculous and his stupid offspring tattoo. You know, um, <laughs> uh, and and they brought him in as a as a punchline in the in the Dean Ambrose AJ Styles stuff. And again, he just he he was really great in his job. He was really weirdly likable as a as a loser. He did that great promo. Remember the great promo about his um about how he you know when he got that first WWE title match about his you know lifelong dream and all that on that random SmackDown. Yeah. And then he and then he you know. They they signed him full time, which I remember there was so much talk about it, like people couldn't believe he actually got a contract for like a year or two years or whatever it was. I think he got two. I think they terminated it early for this. Fairly sure he got a two year deal. I can't remember, but um, uh, and then he got the Carmella stuff, which I I wasn't really into. I think they I think they turned it around a little bit towards the end there, like when when they were really leaning into it, which had him on the leash. Um, you know, I think they were at least I think they helped her quite a lot with it. Um, but yeah, he, he you know. He, he made something of himself, and now he's going back to the Indies as as someone who I think will actually probably fetch a pretty penny. I think I think a lot of places will want to book him. I think a lot of places will want to book him, uh, you know, for for comedy purposes. I wouldn't be stunned if he did a European tour. Um, you know, get him in there with the Angel Cruisers. I'll watch it. Um, uh, yeah, you know, he 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 had an okay run. What do you, what did you make of James Ellsworth? I mean, well, when I started watching Smackdown again after what must have been a three year hiatus it was right around the time that Ellsworth was kind of being introduced I, I think he had done the Braun Strowman squash maybe three or four weeks before I started watching so when I started watching again it was kind of that Dean Ambrose AJ Styles James Ellsworth at the top that was I kind of I feel right around when I started watching it again so my kind of reintegration with SmackDown kind of coincided with this whole run of James Ellsworth. So I was kind of very fond of him at the beginning, obviously. And I kind of, I feel like they did a good job of, of not letting him get stale. You know, he had his little baby face run and just as that started to wind down, they kind of reinvented him, turned him heel, aligned him with Carmella. And now I feel like that kind of ran its, you know, its run. They, they, they turned into a dog or something (laughs) at the end. Um, and yeah, as you say, then 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 he was then he was moved on. Um uh and it's funny, one thing that I was thinking about with regards to Ellsworth was about you say that when he goes on the Indies they usually fetch a pretty penny and so on. I think I read somewhere that his his fee, uh however much it was. And I kinda liken it to the Emma situation of a few uh weeks ago where Emma, who is this this very, very good wrestler yeah. Um, people were kind of balking at the fact that oh she's asking for so much, and James Ellsworth, who for all intents and purposes, um has has no tangible skills, <laughs> um aside from being this kind of wacky lovable, uh oaf wrestler, um that he can seemingly attract much much uh not higher necessarily, but he can he can get what he's looking for where where she might not. That's kind. Of, I just thought that was an interesting kind of juxtaposition where, I mean, you have so much talk in the news these days about you know unequal pay for women and what you know. Obviously, wrestling is a very men-dominated business anyway. Um, I mean, I of course I wish Ellsworth all the best. I I really really liked his stuff, especially 
late last year. Uh, and I thought that he, Carmela and he were a very a very good little team. I kind of I'll be interested to see how Carmela does without him because I kind of felt like that that was one of the 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 rare pairings when they just put two people together who have nothing to kind of do with one another, but it just kind of worked. And I felt like it made her seem more important that she had this kind of you know, village idiot that she could bully around. Oh, yeah, boys. Um, <laughs> like a Bebop Rocksteady kind of moron that she could push around. It kind of made her feel like the shredder a little bit more, you know? Um, yeah. I, 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 think, I, th- I think the time was right. I was a little surprised when I saw it, but, um, I mean, he won't be a great loss, to be honest. They, they, no, they'll yeah, get on fine without him. And that's that, that's kind of the thing about about um, you know the the why I why I'm so gung ho on the idea of people just leaving when their time is done because he's like zero loss to SmackDown, but like, you know he'll I think he'll probably have a, f- a fun time on on the Indies. I think I think people will get a kick out of it. I think he'll get a kick out of it um, because he's now this kind of everyman hero. You know it'll it, you know it's it's just it's a very interesting story. I think is the. Is, is is the top and bottom of it. So yeah, uh, Godspeed to James Ellsworth. Uh, Drew McIntyre, who lost the NXT title last night. We'll talk about war games in a, in a little bit here. Uh, he apparently is maybe injured. It's one of those things where he appears to be hurt. We're kind of waiting on confirmation. I think there was talk of a, of a pec injury or something, was uh, it? Torn bicep, apparently. Yeah, bicep, my bad. Um, yeah, so kind of waiting on an update on that. Uh, that would be unfortunate. Um, uh, you know, I, I I'm curious if if what the plan is with him if they're going to keep him in NXT. I don't think he needs to be in NXT any longer. To be honest, I think that's, I think I think he's more than had enough of an adjusting period, and I think that brand doesn't really need him. So um, uh, so yeah, so we, so we'll follow up on that next week. And fuck, this is a weird one. In a week full of weird news, Jack Swagger, the artist formerly known as Jack Swagger, uh, signed with Bellator. The sort of second tier MMA group who are on Spike still is that right? Yeah, in fact they're owned by Spike. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're owned by uh, Viacom. That's it. Yeah, um, yeah. So he announced he signed with them. Uh, weird, weird, just weird. Um, but you know, he has his um, his shoot amateur wrestling background, uh, the All American American, and all that jazz. And you know. To be blunt about it, obviously the 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 indie career was was non-existent. Um, I got the vibe; he just didn't really care. Um, he showed up very few places. Again, seems like one of those guys who kind of didn't really want to work the indie, so he priced himself. He deliberately kind of priced himself out of it. I think he ha- he had a match in AAW against Mike Elgin that I heard was okay, um, mm-hmm. uh, but it just seems like he didn't really care, especially because he was billed everywhere as formerly known as Jack Swagger. He didn't, you know, when you when you can't even be asked to like get an, a new name, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. he can't he, when he couldn't be asked doing that. I was like, all right, this is a guy who who's obviously looking elsewhere. Yeah, he's checked and, out. Yeah, he's checked out. So so he wants to do MMA, which is fine. Uh, is is Lashley still in MMA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or rather. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's a, maybe that's a fight they can do. I don't know what the interest would be in Swagger. I honestly thought that his his potential outside of WWE would have been with a TNA or a Ring of Honor or a someone. I thought there was I thought there was pro wrestling interest in him. I'm I don't know 
what he'll mean in an M- in the MMA world, but 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 who knows? Uh, I didn't see that coming, honestly. I I, I just thought he I, I thought it was obvious he didn't care for indie wrestling, but I, I didn't think I didn't even really think about MMA. Um, but I guess if you are a, an experienced or uh, acclaimed shoot fighter, that's that's the obvious progression, you know. So um, weird. I hope it goes All better this- than CM Punk's uh, career. Oh well, I, I that's a burger bet. I would take in a heartbeat. I don't doubt for a second that he will, uh, he will, uh, he'll do well. Um, well, not do well, but he'll do better than that. But um, yeah, so maybe, maybe if and when they make his first Bellator match, you can watch and report back for us. <laughs> we'll do. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, interesting, weird, weird time. Uh, One last uh, thing I want to talk about before we move on to then the uh, sure the reviews is I I I saw in the week. Um, Nia Jax and uh, Lana had a little back and forth on Twitter. Oh yeah! Can I just say the 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 one thing I love most in the world is when wrestlers tweet like role play accounts. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, they're kind of doing like cringy promos on each other. Cringy promo tweets, and it's it's yeah. it's as if it was written by. Uh, teenager, this is my favorite one, right? I love whenever somebody, when they accuse each other of trying to stay relevant, is is like my fucking favorite thing. Nijax uh, says, Haha, are you still talking? Listen here, dirt cheat queen. I'm done helping you. Oh, I'm done helping you try to stay relevant. Go practice. Maybe you'll make the team next time. It's like it was written by a little teenage girl at, at, um, not like most girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, uh, yeah. At uh, Ravishing Russian RP. <laughs> oh, terrible. Terrible. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, also, that, like, that, yeah, I don't know. I don't even really get the Dirt Cheat Queen reference. I think it's. Uh, yeah, what I do you mean? I, I think it's a callback to, like, Lana apparently had a lot of IRL heat uh, several years ago because she basically force WWE's hand to undo the summer angle and repair her with Rusev by going to TMZ and saying, oh, we're getting engaged. Oh, by yeah, the way. yeah, 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 I remember that. Um, yeah. So I think I think that's where that's, but again, that's such an inside baseball fucking thing. And that, that's also like two years ago at this stage. Um, so so there's that. Anyway, so yeah, you're right. That was funny. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the wrestling uh, news for this week. We've got some shows to talk about. Um... Uh, let me see here. Is any TV you want to talk about before we get to, to uh, War Games? Um, yeah, SmackDown was good this week. Um, we had obviously Charlotte beat Natalia for the oh yeah women's title. So Charlotte is now going to face Alexa Bliss at Survivor Series. And Natalia, although it wasn't announced on the show, they they for whatever reason had to be like a mystery fifth person. She was she's since been announced that she will just be the fifth person on Team SmackDown. Oh god, um, I was hoping they just give her a night off. Yeah, <laughs> um, the show started with. Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles doing a kind of faux Paul Heyman Brock Lesnar promo, which actually sounds terrible, but wasn't wasn't so bad. Um, although I think Daniel Bryan could have gone a little bit more in on his his uh, Heyman impression. Um, uh, and you also had obviously the big angle at the end was the finally the Raw Retribution, where Raw invaded SmackDown and beat the shite out of them. Uh, culminating in the Shield giving Shane McMahon two triple power bombs and Kurt Angle oh, giving him an angle slam as well. 
Uh, and it was yeah, really well done, really good uh, invasion angles. Not quite as good, I would say, as the the original SmackDown one, but pretty good. And I, I'm do always... you reckon? Do you reckon are they going to do a Shane Kurt match down the line? <sighs> I don't know. I feel like it's. I feel like the the Scudder Bug has been on Angle Triple H, and I feel like that's probably the way they're going to go with, especially oh. adding Triple H to the the match and Stephanie kind of going over Angle's head. Um, yeah, enjoy that. Um, I don't. I don't want that at all. To be fair, although based on the TLC match, I feel like they've Kurt Angle is like the definition of cleared with an asterisk next to it. I like. I don't think he's going to be having any kind of crazy matches. I don't think if he did it. If he if they do a Shane match, I think it'll be the tamest. Shane will fly off ten million things, and Angle will just kind of sit there and take the moves or get off the table just before. You know, I I I. I don't think we're going to get anything close to a, a peak Kurt Angle match uh, this run, which is probably why the Triple H match makes more sense because they can fucking sit there in holds for 10 minutes. Um, did you see as well, but, by the yeah. way, before we go on, obviously we're going to do our Survivor Series preview before we go off the air here, but uh, they've added two pre-show matches to Survivor yes. Series. <laughs> Could they have named any two matches that would have made me less interested to watch pre-show? Uh, Matt Hardy versus Elias where do, where do I that, sign up? That's that's just I mean fucking main event level as in the TV show, not the the concept. <laughs> and then Kevin Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Breezango. Well, that could I mean that could be fun, but it's also again weird. They just pluck that out of thin air, you know. Um, but I think I think I think Zayn and Owens' big thing is going to be that they're probably killing Shane in the main event, um, or the or not the main event, whatever the you know the the five on. Five men's match. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll get to that anyway. We'll get to that anyway. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to that card in a moment. But uh, the other thing, I didn't watch all of Raw, but I did watch the Triple H segment um, where he added himself to the match. Um, and it was he pedi- and he pedigreed Jason Jordan. It was it was bad. It was bad. And and it's like. I'm not just saying, oh, he's buried because it's Triple H and it's the fun thing to do. It's like. He, he pedigreed him, and then he just, like, sauntered out of the ring, and Kurt Angle, like, Kurt Angle was, like, mildly bothered by this pedigreeing of his child. You know, like, like this was not Triple H turning red and spitting and going crazy when Orton DDT'd his wife. Like, this was not a serious angle at all. It was Triple H fucking with Kurt by adding himself to the match, and then the Jordan thing was, like, a punchline. Oh, he was such a fucking geek. He was so... He was so killed, as if he wasn't already struggling. He was just killed dead here. And he, his um, his promo was was well delivered, but the problem was him crying. I can't be on the team. No, you're hurt. <laughs> yeah, it. it <laughs> Triple H gave him a pedigree. I did quite get. I I got a little um, a little thrill, a little childlike thrill, where Triple H was like the fifth member of me. And I, I kind of like that, but um. Yeah, so um, I, I I imagine the heel turn is coming for uh, for Al Jason, for and it can't come soon enough. Yeah, he is uh, drowning right now. So um, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, so if you want to talk a little bit about the old uh, takeover card from last night, yeah, how much did you watch? Uh, I watched the first two matches and the main event. All right, um, I thought it was a, a hell of a show. I liked. Almost everything on the show. I think uh, everything kind of ranged from from good to great, with obviously a few little nitpicks that I'll 
talk about. Uh, first match was Cassius Ono against Lars Sullivan. Um, yeah, big boy match. Big boy, except Lars Sullivan isn't particularly big for a big boy. He, what? He has that. Um, I, I mean, tall. He's he's he was shorter than Cassius Ono. He's okay. He's not tall, but he's he's thick AF. He's he's a he's a thick boy with two C's. He's a he's a thick boy. He's got and he's got a big. He's a manly man. He's a he got a big hairy chest. He's got one of them uh, one of them uh, weird heads that giants have. Yeah, and and Morrow even references like, look how thick that skull is. I was like, that's like the one good thing you've said. I'm like, that's true. He has a he has a long wispy chin beard. He looks very old school. I thought. Thing that made me laugh on it because he all he gurns as well. He's a bit of a gurner, and I, I saw one joke that made me laugh. It was like this guy looks like he should be getting the heat on Bruno in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, he's just a big, a big barrel-chested, gurning bald man. You I know, don't know. I, I don't. I don't really see any upside to him though. I just think he's very. I don't think he's big enough to be a, a, a big guy. I don't think he's lithe enough to have good matches. I don't. I, I haven't heard his promos, but I can't imagine they're anything but dreadful. Um, <laughs> that is that is book by its cover, sir. It very much so, but I'm probably right. Um, <laughs> no, but we'll we'll see. Um, I don't know. I think I've liked everything I've seen. I, in, again, I don't watch TV weekly, but I, I liked everything I've seen of him, and I thought this match was uh, it was fun. And uh, since the last time I watched NXT, they've given him a cooler entrance. He he used to just have a Jay Brown uh, song and just walk to the ring. Uh, but they've given him. They've given he's him a bit a good of that entrance. N- he's got that N- NXT pizzazz that highlights his big manly chest. The funny thing as well is that he he did a cool um, like pop up power slam during the match. Yes, which I yeah. thought might be his finish, right? And Ono kicked out, and then he beat him with like the fucking Kurgan slam. Yeah, Just the the, the yeah. worst looking finish. Oh man, I couldn't believe that was a finish. I was like, he did a cooler move in the match as a transitional move. Yeah. So um. Yeah. I, th- I thought Ono looked really good. In fairness, yeah, Ono's Ono's great. I'm, you know, I'm kind of ready for for El Chris Hero to come back to the loving embrace of the Indies. To be honest, um, and that's I, I, whenever you say stuff like that, people are always like, "Oh, want him to lose his job?" I'm like, Chris Hero would make a fucking killing on the Indies. I'm sure he was before he got signed this time. I bet he was doing very well for himself. He's he'd be a top star everywhere. Selling merch like nobody's business, you know it's 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 a good era to be a top indie star. So don't give me that. Can I can I have a, li- a little nitpick about Kashisano though? Go on, go for it. They need to they need to change his ring attire so quickly. I agree. I agree. I'm not I'm not one of the people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that because he's he's a, also a thick boy with two C's. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But he looks like a basketball player in his underwear. Is what he looks like. Yeah, it's. It's the weirdest look. It's the, you know, it's not a, it's not a. Oh, I can't look at a wrestler who's this fat thing, because it's it's fine. Like like hero, he looks like a big intimidating, you know, uh, brawler. I don't have a, a problem. It's just that the gear just looks horrendous. It just <laughs> looks horrendous. And it was worse still. I know everyone has harped on about this, but that one time when he wore like the white, the kind tightest of gear. Yeah, it was two sizes like, too small. It's like this. This is the opposite of what wrestling is about in terms of emphasizing all the good stuff. This is just like you've given him the single worst outfit imaginable. 
you know, just like, you know, literally just let him go out there with just his regular wrestling shorts on his, his, yeah. uh, his tights. Like, and it's, it's fine. It's, I don't understand unless it's, unless it's him, unless he just thinks it's cool. He likes his, you know, he likes his basketball jerseys. He used to, he does his entrance in them on the Indies unless he just likes that. And he, he thinks it looks good. But I think if he's I, wearing the Jersey, he has to wear shorts or long tights. It looks ridiculous with the yeah. little undies on. And I, I think they won't let him do that because that's that's pure indie. I mean, that's pure. Well, I mean, I, I did when I was watching. I did say because I was talking about this to my brother. I did say, you know, I don't want him just to dress exactly like Kevin Owens. But even then, because he he dresses with kind of bright colors, that would be it would be different, you know. But there's a reason why Kevin Owens dresses like Kevin Owens, and he doesn't look ridiculous. He looks yeah. good, <laughs> you know. Cassius Ono in his little tight undies, his little his little lycra tights on, is not a good look. Um, but, so yeah, but he was—he yeah. was—he looked really good. He was great. Yeah, he's a, he's a tremendous wrestler. Yeah, and I—I I, just seems like they're—you know—they're not going to do anything with him. I'm—I would love for him to be back on the indie scene. But um, yeah, so Lars won. Um, obviously, he is—he is kind of one of their uh, their big prospects. Um, and speaking of prospects, uh, the next match we had the, a the a best very the best match at night. Would you say? Oh, I—I I don't know. Well, I so it was fucking great. Certainly, we had the Velveteen Dream uh, versus uh, Alistair Black. Uh, I thought the video package, all the video packages I watched in this show, made me think oh, I should watch. I should watch NXT on a weekly basis because they they look like they're telling some like really just fundamentally solid stories. Mm. So you know, Alistair Black, the coolest guy in the world, and and Velveteen Dream is like this polar opposite of him of his you know silent and deadly character. Velveteen Dream is like this really over the top kind of rick rude kind of constant hip grinding a uh, little bit of kind of like orlando jordan about him like the the tna uh orlando jordan with the outrageous outfits and the, the you know not the 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 lotion the take that bit out um but you know a little bit of that um you know a little bit of of gold dust a little bit um just this very very flamboyant outrageous character and he's like trying to get basically trying to get black to notice him is is literally what it what it seems like it's about um and and black just kind of won't kind of respect him won't really engage with him so he jumps black and so that led to this match here and yeah this was i this was certainly the overachiever of the night i would say uh yeah i i had only seen bits and pieces of of velveteen dream pre velvet uh, velveteen dream when he was uh Patrick Clark, he showed up on NXT a few times just as a yeah enhancement talent. I've never never super um, impressed with him, and I I must say as well, I, although I'd only seen very very limited stuff of of Alistair Black, uh, I remember particularly the one time he showed up on the UK show to have a match with Neville, and they had like a completely a bad match. I was like, oh god, I thought this guy was supposed to be good. Uh, so this was kind of my my reintrodu- reintroduction, let's say, to both of those. Um, and yeah, blew me away. Thought their match, thought the match was great. Um, super fluid. Velveteen Dream. Um, I think there's still bits and pieces where you can tell that he's a little bit green. Um, but it's a while since I've seen somebody with as much potential as him, especially since he's like a, a performance center original. He was not an indie guy, for example. Yeah. Um, he's really good. <laughs> And yeah, it's scary potential for how good he potentially could be. I think he has the the character down pat, uh, the look, the the presentation is is like perfect. Um, 
very, very impressed. And the match was great. The only thing as well is that they... Something that would go on to be uh, a problem later on in the show as well is, is they missed the finish. Because they changed the camera angle right as he did the uh, Black Mass. So you, 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 the camera just came back to this, like, the kick. And I was like, what happened? Oh, that's the finish. Okay. Which kind of was a, a little bit uh, unfortunate in that it kind of took me out of kind of the 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 the, the finish in, in the same way as, as sometimes they 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 fuck up and put, ring the bell wrong and they press the, the play the music at the wrong time yeah the 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 the, the, the finish being missed by the cameras is is a, a big uh uh the air being let out of the balloon so to speak but it was a hell of a match and, and they, they both really really did well um velveteen dreams uh death valley driver is so cool where he kind of rolls through it like almost like a little cartwheel. Yeah. Uh, that kind of really took me by surprise. Cause that's the first time I'd ever seen it. I was always doing a Death Valley Driver, but instead of just kind of sitting down, he kind of rolled through it. Super, super cool. And he did a, a sort of downward spiral DDT. Oh, thing. man. So that was a work of art. And, and, and Black's selling of it was so good as well. Um, I, I think, obviously, this was, this was very much the Velveteen show, but I think it was a tremendous performance from Black as well. Um, I continue. I've said this before, but I continue to love Black way more than I ever did Tommy End on the on the Indies. I, he, something about him just didn't really click for me on the Indies, and I saw him have like some good matches live, but I, I didn't really get it. But I think he's so good here. Um, on the production side, by the way, I, they also missed. They, they did a spot where End did his uh, or Black did his thing where he sits, you know, in the ring, and then Velveteen Dream imitated it. And then Black imitated one of Velveteen's kind of, you know, face down on the mat, kind of humping the mat poses, basically. And they missed it, of course. Um, And so they basically just kind of got Velveteen's reaction to it, but they didn't show it. And the crowd pop, and you can't really see what they're reacting to. So that was... It's it's Roman Reigns seeing AJ Styles come out of the Royal Rumble, basically. Yes, yes, that's that's exactly it, yeah. 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 So so, and there was there was other stuff that we'll talk about later. But there was tons of little fumbles like that. Uh, that a weird off night for for them certainly. Um, uh, yeah. So so that was that's and um, Black won of course because he's the, he's the one getting the big push. But Velveteen certainly arrived in this match as as a big homegrown prospect for them, which is great. And then uh, post match. Uh, Black kind of, you know, sort of a little bit, kind of like backhanded kind of respects and enjoy the infamy Velveteen Dream because the whole thing, the big, the big kind of selling point was that the, uh, the Dream wanted him to say his name, so so that was that was good. Very good. And that's all I saw, so I'll let you take it from there. Uh, well, then we had the women's title match. Carrie Sane, who is the the Japanese wrestler who does the crazy elbow drop, which he did in this match. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Royce, who Brian Alvarez calls Peyton Hoyce. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's good, actually. Ember Moon uh, and Nikki Cross for the vacant NXT Women's title. Uh, they had a, a very good fail four-way match. Um, okay. Probably, probably to a higher level than you would typically get in uh, in WWE Women's matches. I think it was a little bit better. Um, we had so, so, some moves that you would typically not get in a women's match, and not because women, you know, can't do it. But I, I feel like sometimes they kind of wrap the women in, in cotton wool a little bit. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But yeah. You, you had here, for example, Peyton Royce. Uh, of course, this was all kind of in, in the midst of a, a Tara Doom swap. But Peyton Royce, uh, German suplexed Ember Moon from the second or top rope. 
I was like, that's that's a movie you rarely see in any kind of match. Never mind the women's match. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really cool, really impressive. Um, they seemed like they're they're kind of teasing that Peyton Royce is going to win. Uh, and eventually, yeah. um, Ember Moon hit, hit the uh, eclipse on both uh, Peyton Royce and Nikki Cross for the win. Like a double eclipse uh, at once. And this 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 leads into my new pet peeve, and it's not not anything that is new with commentary, but I really hate when commentators do it. Is um, their their obsession with when a move half gets botched that they go, I don't know if they got on with that, and they always have to point <laughs> yeah. it out. Um, like they they kind of did that here where. Was it for the eclipse or was it for another move? There's some some move. It might have been the finish. It might have been something else. I feel like it was the finish, where um, the Ember Moon does the eclipse on on two people at once, right? And and the the commentators are kind of pointing out that like I don't feel like I don't I don't think she got the full the full move there. Instead of going like Oh my God, she did a move on both of the people for fly, flying stunner from that is incredible. Like, instead of putting over how amazing it was, they're talking about, oh, I'm not sure she got all of that. Oh, my God, you idiots. What are you, t- <laughs> what are you doing? Stop this. Like, sh- shouldn't the point be of the commentators that when a move gets a little bit, little bit botched, that they should kind of try and cover it up and not bring attention to it? Whereas every time they go, oh, I'm not sure he got all of that. No, pretend he did come out of that because it's fake anyway. Ah, I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. Um, we then had uh, Asuka, by the way, was in the ring to present Ember with title, which was a nice little moment. Uh, Drew, yeah. Mac- Drew McIntyre defending the NXT title against Andrade Cien Almas. Um, and they had a hell of a match as well. Um, this is the first time I'm seeing Andrade with um, Rosita. Rosalina. Yeah. Rosalina. <laughs> Who's that? No, uh, Z- she, Zelina. She is from oh, Zelina. Rosalina is from uh, Mario. <laughs> uh, Zelina Vega. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever seen with, with, with her. She's a good little manager for him, I think. Um, yeah. Though I've not seen any of their segments or anything, but it's good. good uh, seemed seemed like it works. Uh, I'll say that much. Uh, Andrade is as as we've said when I used to watch NXT, uh, a, a really really poor babyface, but a really good heel. Um, and yeah, McIntyre is, is someone who doesn't, unlike Lara Sullivan, I feel like Drew McIntyre is someone who's actually built for that role where he's this huge man, um, but doesn't really kind of wrestle like one or doesn't really get treated like one. But I remember when we saw him at OTT that one time when he appeared (laughs) for his one and only Tivoli segment. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. He was huge. What a giant man he is. Um, I couldn't believe because on commentary on, on the commentary during the match they mentioned that he's six foot five. I was like, he must be bigger than six foot five. He must be six foot six. But maybe he is only six foot five. I guess in OTT we don't have that many six foot five behemoths. Um, but uh, yeah, they had a they had a hell of a match, kicking out of finishers. Uh, like the like the Velveteen Dream match, there was a lot of like kind of innovative moves where uh, almost hit the double knees, like the running double knees into, into the corner, the bullet knees. Uh, and then he also hit it with Drew McIntyre kind of facing downwards. So he hit it into like the back as well. Super, super cool. McIntyre kicked out of the the Hammerlock DDT. Uh, claim, uh, McIntyre hit the Claymore and, and almost got the foot on the ropes. Uh, 
Zelina Vega tried to kind of put the foot on the ropes, but again, she kind of messed that up. But the foot, the yeah. foot ended up on the ropes. It was grand. That's all that matters. Um, uh, yeah, really, really good match. Um, kind of also my first real experience of of Drew. Ma- I, I did watch Drew McIntyre on OTT in the Belfast show. He had a really good match with Adam Maxted. But this is kind of my first real time seeing McIntyre post uh, three man band, where you kind of kind of see McIntyre see see him what he what he kind of became what he developed into um and he's i think he's got a really good presence mcintyre because he's so big and he's but he's 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 also so kind of fluid in the ring he did a kip up in the match huge man doing a kip up which i think also ono did earlier on um really really good match frightening finish though do you see the finish of this barry no no um andrade almas has mcintyre up on the top rope and he's basically essentially has him set up for like you know what the DDT Orton does from the middle rope. He basically has McIntyre set up from that for the from the top rope. But he lifts him up into the air. Right? So McIntyre McIntyre is kind of now his his upper body is facing directly down to the ground and his legs are at a ninety degree ninety degree angle out, outwards. And he's okay. just, he's just being held by the head. And Almas gives him like a DDT. And he looked like he he got just spiked down onto his head, and apparently that's where he maybe suffered the the arm injury because he was he was holding onto the rope to kind of balance himself. Very very messy looking, but very kind of devastating looking finish. So you could you could, you could buy it as the finish. And uh, yeah, Almas is the uh, the new NXT champion. I uh, yeah, I, I did not see that coming. Hell of a turnaround. For, for for anybody who watched him as he floundered as a babyface. Yeah. Uh, hell of a turnaround for him. He's a very, very good heel. And a very, very good champion. So, new new NXT champion, Andrade Almas. I, I, I like that they kind of took a took a punt on him, you know? Took a chance. And hopefully it pays off. And then we had the War so, Games match. Yeah, then we had the War Games match. Um... Uh, yeah, so th- their their goofy rules to to confirm is that it started off as a triple threat match with just one member from each team. The other two members from each team, because there was nine guys in total, were in the cages. After five minutes, uh, one team was released, and then three minutes, each subsequent team was released. So those are the rules, and you couldn't win until all the teams were in, and you could win by pinfall, and there was no roof. And if you touched the floor... After entering the cage, you forfeit for your team. So those are the rules. Uh, it started off with Adam Cole, baby, uh, Eric Young, and Roderick Strong, wasn't it, for AOP? Yes. So, yeah, so they started, and as as is, you know, as you would expect with the format, there wasn't much early on. It was kind of just, you know, they were killing time, they were brawling, um, and then when Sanity, the baby faces, were the uh, last... Um, team to be fully released uh, Killian Dane got a load of weapons from under the ring and brought them in with him including some tables and at that point they then kind of proceeded to just have a crazy uh, weapons brawl for like 20 minutes I think like the match was pretty long it was like 45 minutes I feel like um, uh, all together but it was pretty good it was pretty spectacular they did all kinds of stuff there was a superplex off the top of the cage AOP were throwing people from one ring to the other they had the two rings set up of course all night um, uh, um, the what's his name? Wolf Alexander Wolf is it? Yeah, got uh, he got busted on a German suplex to a table. 
Yeah, they actually did, like as you described with the women's match, they did a second rope German suplex to an AOP through a table, got his head split up in really nasty gash. Um, a couple, you know, uh, Adam Cole looked like he was bleeding in places. So, yeah, it was a pretty violent match. Again, if you wanted, if you were worried that, you know, they wouldn't have it be the kind of violent spectacle that, that, that war games typically associated with, I think they delivered that. I mean, you know, I think the hair splitting about the rules kind of ended up not really mattering because they still had a spectacle, uh, all, t- all kinds of crazy spots. Um, and, and eventually Adam Cole won with the f- finish was a bit flat. He did a, he did a shining wizard on Eric Young who got a chair in the face. Um, so that was, and so the, uh, the undisputed era are the new tag team champions. I thought, I thought that was a bit flat, but uh, other than that, it was a, a cool spectacle. Yeah. I mean, I thought the finish, as you say, was a little bit, nothingy um especially for how devastating the rest of the match was um i'm not so sure about the whole format though um because i thought the first 11 minutes were completely interminable um when you say to 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 the fans lads nothing can happen until everybody's in the ring no you can't Mm. win there's no pinfall or submission well then, I'm you're, I'm checking out then for the first eleven minutes until everybody's in the ring because I know nothing <laughs> can happen. I know the match can't end. It's kind I'm of sure, like, I'm sure it was at the behest of management, but Morrow kept saying that it's not even an official match until all three are in. Yeah. Okay. Um, like the reason why the Royal Rumble works is because you know eliminations can happen all the time. Imagine the Royal Rumble; nobody can be eliminated until all thirty men have entered the ring. Okay, well, what am I watching the first hour for then? <laughs> you know? Um, it's completely pointless. Like, the first 11 minutes were just, like, the odd move, but, like, kicks and stomps. and Like, n- the match only really became good. And I thought, I thought after everybody was in, it was great. It was like, I think, I think they did a really good job of kind of making the War Games match its own feeling thing. Um... Where with the double double ring setup and and all the weapons and the cage, I think I think it definitely felt different than a typical cage match. Felt different than a Hell in Cell match. I kind of liked the, the the way they 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 did that. I kind of feel though that they have they already have kind of a, a a better version of War Games in the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I agree. Uh, now that 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 might be a, a take that gets me a lot of hate, but. Uh, I feel like the war games rules are, are, are a little bit old fashioned and don't really work. Like especially the, the shark cages and the every five, five minutes and two other members. It's, it's, it was, I would rather they just have uh, a, a three team, um, three members on each team, like elimination chamber match where you have, uh, you know, every one minute, one member of a random team gets released. Like the whole, like the other two members come down. Like I, I, I just didn't like kind of the, the the rule set. Once everybody was in, the match was great, but it, it was a little, you know, TNA level of the rules were so kind of convoluted that they they got in the way of the match being a good match. Um, and I don't know if anybody noticed this, but it seemed like. Before they did the uh, the light gimmick, where the the light would shine on the team who were released, obviously they botched it for the second one. Um, yeah, that looked. Yeah. But you could tell beforehand that already one of the the shark cages was lighter 
was was brighter light lit than the other ones so i could see before the they, they went to the camera angle of the three teams you could see that there was a, a brighter light on one i went oh it's you know uh authors of pain next because their their shark cage was already lighter than the other ones it was already brighter than the other ones and then they went and went dun, 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 and then it was <laughs> then the light stopped on sanity but the authors of pain still came out it was it was, it was a, a complete mess and I, I don't feel that whereas with the royal rumble you get you know the surprise of who's coming out can be any one of 30 people when you have it's like it's either going to be sanity or the authors of pain it's not this big like who's it going to be who's it going to be because again you know the match can't end anyway so it doesn't matter who comes out first really i mean i guess the idea of it is you know what well, they can beat up the other teams but the match is 40 minutes long you know it actually doesn't make a difference so i i'm i'm really not a fan of of that whole setup but i thought the match itself once everybody got in was was crazy good fun and again did a good job of setting up war games as a gimmick that they can kind of use in the future and get some mileage out of hopefully without the the whole convoluted fucking shark cage shit yeah yeah definitely um <clears throat> so yeah the uh the what the fuck are they calling that thing united what what is it the new era or some shit the undisputed era yeah that's a fucking stupid name and the little hand thing the ue yeah god that's lame yeah. uh so yeah they won um so uh, yeah that's uh that's nxt takeover war games holy boy excuse me i'm so sleepy um so uh, tonight then is uh, Survivor Series, which uh, is on paper I think a pretty dang good card. It is. Um, uh, so we'll uh, we'll go through it here. I'm gonna dig it up. Uh, the pre-shows we got uh, obviously Matt Hardy and Elias, <laughs> uh, which I just cannot imagine. You know, logging on extra early to watch that. Um, <laughs> But uh, there you go. Uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus Breezango. Obviously, that should be fun. But again, I, you know, I don't know that I go my way to watch it. And uh, Enzo Amore versus Callisto for the uh, Cruiserweight Championship. Um, I'd say Enzo probably wins handily there again. So, uh, on to the main card. And this is where things get super stacked. So, we'll start with probably the least interesting of these matches. These uh, inter-brand uh, match. Uh, the Miz, who is the IC champion, will face Aaron Corbin for the U.S. title. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have any interest in that at all. I like the Miz a lot, but I, you know, it's very hard to care about the Baron Corbin stuff. Uh, I, I'm wondering how much longer, you know, what 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 his uh, his you know what his prospects are going forward. But anyway. We have the five-on-five five women's match. Uh, Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Asuka, Sasha Banks, and Bailey representing Raw versus the SmackDown team of Becky Lynch, Carmella, Naomi, Tamina, who I feel like I haven't seen in forever, <laughs> and Natalia. I tell you what, that uh, that SmackDown team ain't doing much for me, I'll be honest. Um, and Naomi and Becky Lynch are good. Naomi and Becky I think, Lynch I think Carmella's all right as well. Tamina Carmella is all right. Those, the, the last two are, are like the addition of Natalia. One thing we've got to mention in the news is that there's a, a increased talk that Paige is uh, back very, very soon. Um, and when they were doing the gimmick of, oh, fifth, fifth person on the women's team, people were guessing it would be her, but then they added Natalia. And Bailey um, on Raw was added as the fifth one. 
Ah, uh, yeah. So Bailey is is in this match as well. Yeah, uh, this should be okay. I think I think it's a there's enough good workers in there. That it should be good. Um, wondering what they do with Asuka. They could obviously just have her win. I th- I think I think that is what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't have too many predictions in terms of what brand is ultimately going to win out. Um, but they'll, I think they'll probably do the thing where the brand that's winning the men's five on five, probably the other brand will probably get most of the wins on the undercard. Mm. Um, that's you know they, they like to do stuff like that. They don't have, you obviously don't want to do a clean sweep and just bury one of the brands. So yeah, I mean, I I'd be happy I, with a raw burial to be honest. I'm team blue. <laughs> um, I would I would re- I would prefer Oscar one rather than I don't want to see any stupid DQ she lo- or she locks a hold on the ref counts to five gets DQ and she goes what yeah. me I I hate that shit I, because and we'll get to it in the moment I think that I think the men's match is going to be full of just bollocks and teammates <laughs> turning on each other and people running in i think kind of like last year's and i remember last year's match was super de- divisive because they had like a sick they had like a 50 minute match and it was full of run-ins and heel turns and craziness and some people just thought it was the best thing ever and some people hated it i think this year's match is going to be very similar um but we'll get to that in a bit this women's match i would like the bollocks to be kept to a minimum um and uh, and uh, i think i think there's enough people there that can be good and, and i think it plus you know Asuka has gone off to a tepid start. I think it would be cool if she, you know, ran roughshod on on the, the you know, get you know, have her just get Tamina and Natalia out of there in quick succession, you know, something like that. So, uh, sticking with the uh, women's action, Raw Women's Champ Alexa Bliss will face SmackDown Women's Champ Charlotte. Yeah, I think this is one of the first times we've seen that because I feel like. Obviously, Alexa Bliss started on SmackDown, and then when she moved to Raw, Charlotte moved to SmackDown. So they've kind of always avoided each other. Whereas Charlotte obviously has a lot of experience with Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. So nice fresh match. Uh, yeah, I think it'd probably be good. I think it also kind of highlights kind of the flimsy nature of a Raw versus SmackDown feud because they both of them were on the other one for so long, and then they only they recently flipped. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that. That's kind of in general. That's my one negative about this whole show is, that, you know, I don't feel like generally they've done a decent enough job of keeping these brands separate. Like you had Jason Jordan flipping over, you know, willy nilly without any explanation. We talked last week about the John Cena stuff, you know, so that's mm-hmm. that's kind of lame. But yeah, new match, fresh match, and this match does help the strength of the gimmick because it's like, oh hey, here's two people who haven't faced each other and can't face each other anything other than at this event. So that's cool. Um, I wasn't aware this next match had a stipulation. Uh, the Shield, Roman Reigns has been cleared. He's back. We'll face the New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods in an elimina- in an elimination falls count anywhere match. Oh, is that a thing? I, I hadn't heard about that either. That's what that's what Wikipedia says. Um, uh, yeah, and it's got a citation here to WWE, so I guess that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's going to be any kind of other weaponsy matches on this show, so uh, you know that's that's that should be great. I mean, you know, a good Shield brawl. I think the and you know New Day can do a good brawl when when they when they've been asked in the past. They just had that well, the Hell Cell one, yeah, yeah, and they they had some other stuff as well. So they they've been in you know ladder matches and stuff. Uh, that should be fucking tremendous. I mean, that's that's there's two tag matches on the show. We'll talk about the other one in a second, but that one. Um, you know that, that by all accounts that should be great, and that's that's a that's a sort of dream match. These two great factions that like Charlotte and Alexa, I don't think they've ever been 
on the same show. I don't think they ever existed in the same. No, because Shield time. was Shield was mid twenty fourteen when they broke up, right? And I think New Day was only starting in late twenty fourteen, early twenty fifteen. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a real that's a real real dream match. match. Yeah, uh, they did they did a decent angle where New Day cost the Shield the titles. Uh, you know, it was a bit of a goofy finish where they were ranting and raving on the steps for about ten minutes, and then then, then Sheamus pinned one of the Shield guys, and the ref still counted it, even though they were like in the middle of this invasion angle. But whatever. <laughs> Um, so for that match, that match should be fantastic. Also fantastic uh, on paper, certainly, is the uh, Raw Tag Team Champions, Sheamus and Cesaro, The Bar, versus uh, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions of The Usos. Yeah, that's a, a, just a regular tag match. Um, again, that should be tremendous. The Usos having a fantastic year. Sheamus and Cesaro, I have to say, they've, uh, they've really, I think they've found their niche as a team. I think they're two lads who are always going to struggle in the, in the singles department. Um, I think I think they're doing very very well as a team, and I, I think there's there's no reason. I think this might be the show stealer. I think it's tough to call a show stealer between that and the Shield match, but I think this one should just be tremendous. I think so too. They're both great. They're both underrated teams, if anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus, yeah, maybe don't get the, uh, the credit they deserve. So that's good. Uh, and again, I mean, I can't really call who's going to win either of those two matches. I think I think the Shields probably win theirs because their reunion has been very rocky so far. Uh, whereas the other one, I mean, the SmackDown versus the Raw Tag Champs, I mean, again, it's whatever they want to do for kind of the evening's theme. Um, and then we have the men's Survivor Series match. Team Raw, which is Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and Triple H. That's a pretty good team. Versus Team SmackDown, which is Shane... This is a wacky team right here. Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, and John Cena. Again, John Cena just flitting back and forth between the brands, you know. Like, now he's, like, not only back on SmackDown, he's representing SmackDown. Against um, Raw. Against Raw, which is so wacky. Um, yeah, again, so I'm expecting a lot of bollocks here. So just to talk about the various things we got going on. We got uh, uh, Joe and Balor who are feuding. Okay. Triple, so H, that, Triple H and Kurt. Triple H and Kurt are feuding. Jason Jordan and Kurt, you know, again, smart money, I would say, is on the, the heel turn here. Jordan was in this match. He was then taken out. Um, you could you could feel the heel turn coming there. Braun, I don't think, is really directly feuding with any of the people on his own team. But again, you know, he's Braun. They, they he could just they could just do an angle where you know where he just snaps and just decides he wants to lay out Balor. In fact, I think that wouldn't be a bad idea if there that that might be an interesting program to do next. Uh, on the SmackDown side of things, uh, you got I don't think Shane McMahon's directly feuding with anyone on his own team. But again, he has the Sammy and KO thing. I again, I, it feels almost too obvious, but I'd imagine they're they're laying him out big time here. They're they're killing him. Uh, possibly to set up another match with with Owens or or with the two of them, um, yeah. And so so I, there should be shenanigans aplenty in this match, I would say. Yeah. Any any predictions for who might win? Um. Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's so star studded that it's not so kind of obvious which way it would go. I probably lean towards. SmackDown, only based on the fact that I feel like Team Raw has a lot more storyline potential for implosion. E. Like with SmackDown, I don't necessarily see you know anyone turning on anybody else in there. Whereas Raw seems like it's full of that. Um, so based on that, yeah, I, alone, I, 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 
I think they might do the um, the the Jason heel turn at the very end. I think it comes down to Kurt. Maybe it comes down to Kurt and Shane. And <laughs> imagine if, of all the people in the match, imagine if it gets out the Kurt and Shane. Oh I God. and I I think I think there's a good chance they will. Oh, and also like Braun, I he's another one. I think I think I don't think they will do it with Asuka. I think there's a strong possibility Braun just hits someone with a chair for no reason, um, and gets the old the old stupid survivor series dq that they always do every year um so i think i yeah looking at the, i mean as you mentioned it's super star studded so it's actually kind of tough to call but i i think it may come down to kurt if not kurt versus shane kurt versus someone and jason jordan comes down with the chair and they do the, oh here he comes to help kurt oh my god he just made him. oh my god that son of a bitch <laughs> uh, tell me why so uh, I think I think they could do that here. So yeah, I'll say SmackDown for that one. And then the uh, again, maybe this is the main event. I actually don't know what they they might do the five on five last. But uh, Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles non-title champion versus champion match. Um, obviously, that was just very recently added. What with Ginger's uh, loss, we didn't talk about that. By the way, they've scaled back the India tour um, to one show, to one night, which tells you a lot. And they've added Triple H to the one night. Which I think we did talk about. That was official last week, but uh, not a good sign. It's, for it's all mad, that. by the way, with Survivor Series, with, with with all the multi-people matches on it. There's no Jinder Mahal. Mm. There's no Kane, who just had this big whole return thing where he, on the last show he turned on uh, Strowman and no Kane on the show, no Bray Wyatt on the show. Um. So maybe keep an eye on the, uh, an eye out for those names. Maybe running in at some point. Actually, yeah, that's that's those are two very good points. There's you can a- add this to your list of uh, of uh, potential shite happening in this match. Uh, which which brand is Bray on? Raw, right? Raw, yeah. Didn't, didn't he have the match with Jason Jordan a few weeks ago? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So there's there's another thing you could do because they never got to do their big blow off match. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Bray could Bray could teleport in and lay out Balor. Um, which I would fucking hate. I would hate that so much. But again, I think they could do it. Uh, and yeah, again, because again, pe- people not being on the show to me is um, indicative of of possibly doing a run in. So Kane could fucking drag Braun to hell or some shit. You know, uh, you know, Bray, do that. Bray and Braun maybe. Mm-hmm. Bray and Braun, they could do that as well. Um, oh, and you mentioned no gender. Um, I I'm trying to think who. Okay, I don't. I don't think he'll run in on the five on five, but you'd, ima- you'd imagine he's costing AJ the, the the match because I I I actually don't know who they should. I I, I wouldn't like to be booking that match because I think it's a tough one because Brock is Brock. Obviously, you try and protect him, but but AJ is you know he just won and he's the guy who's here every week, so he you know you think he would win. So you would imagine that. You know, AJ is uh, AJ's facing Jinder in the coming months for his uh, his his time killer feud until Mania season, yeah. and I think they they probably set that up here by having him run in, which is going to be lame. But uh, yeah, I think this match will be good. Oh, uh, I, I am I've been burned so many times. I'm not getting my hopes up for anything bigger than a big load of shite. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not getting my hopes up, but I think it, I think there's potential there. There's more potential there than than there has been with any of these other recent. Anyway, ha- have have a little peep on Paddy Power and see what the odds are for Lesnar to win with one F five. He'd probably. Win <laughs> oh dear. But um, yeah. So that's, that's how he beat Samoa Joe, and that's how he beat Braun Strowman. Those matches both kind of sucked. Yeah, and 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 plus, like um, AJ isn't like a monster that they protect like Braun. No, little tiny man. 
these little these little tiny wee, 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 wee. so uh, so yeah so that match could go either way in terms of quality but I'm I'm hoping for something special um uh you know, hoping but not necessarily expecting so that, so yeah um so with all that said uh, I think that's going to do it for our Survivor Series preview and I think it's also going to do it for the show for this week uh so thanks for listening folks chairshoppodcast.com as always for the archive and for the emails yeah. go there and send us a mail we'll we'll you know if you have any feedback on anything we talk about in this week's show uh, do let us know so yeah. it's goodbye from me for now Barry Murphy and it's goodbye it's Paul Griffin goodbye Yeah!